Hey, how's it going? Oh, hey, Mark. <laughs> Mike Rosso here, and uh, across from me is Mark Dalzell. Yep. We're here before anyone else, and this is FPP episode 110. It's October 1st, 2014, and uh, we're here before everyone else, and we're going we're gonna to actually chit-chat with you folks at home before everyone gets here, before we start the big show. Uh, we're going to have Letter Palooza later, and we're going to also talk about more TLRs. Le- Leslie Lazenby will be here, and she'll... Uh, tell us about her TLRs, that you know, the ones that she loves, and uh, Matt Marash as well. He'll be rolling in from the rickety road. This show, October 1st, 2014, such big news. As a matter of fact, we're coming up on our fifth fifth year, and you wouldn't think that after five years there would be anything exciting to talk about. There is. Most recently, what is that you're holding? We'll talk about it later. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Most recently, uh, there was a Photokina 2014. You know about that, Mark? Yeah. Yeah, it's a big deal, apparently. Yeah, yeah I would like to have gone. but Much to my surprise, or sh- shouldn't say shouldn't be surprised, our good friend Nanoburger, that's right, Nanoburger, that's his handle on Flickr, our friend Dan, Dan the Man as we call him, he went to Photokina and he recorded some segments for us. And I'm going to be introducing those in a little bit. More exciting is the, f- well, there's a lot of exciting things going on, like my, my obsession with Kodak Vision 3 film. Mm-hmm. Now, so far, no one's really as excited as I am about <laughs> Kodak, Kodak Vision 3 film. Well, I haven't used it yet. I'm sure once I develop a role, I, oh. will, I will love it. Have you seen any of my pictures on I that? have, and I have, I have rolls of it. I just haven't had a chance to shoot them off yet. I'm actually but. holding the go- The cans are golden, which is great. And it looks like it's like you can melt this down like, you know, like it's real gold. It looks like something Indiana Jones would lift off of. What it is, is it's, it's 35 millimeter motion picture film. You know, you've been hearing a lot about uh, Quentin Tarantino. Alter. And That's the word I was thinking of. <laughs> Quentin Tarantino and J.J. Abrams and Martin Scorsese, they've been all rallying over in that Hollywood to keep film alive. And they've put a commitment in with Eastman Kodak to say, hey, we're going to keep buying. Uh, right, how would Martin Scorsese say it? You know, we're going to keep uh, buying some film. That's probably what he'd say. He talks fast. Yeah, you got the eyebrows right. <laughs> uh, thank you. <laughs> you know, so so for the next five years, they made a commitment that Kodak will continue to make their Vision 3 film. And there's a lot of buzz on the internet about people chatting about, well, can I shoot this on my still camera? And a lot of folks, you know, who, who tinker around in their darkroom and soup their own film, it's no secret that this film can be shot in your still camera and you can get very good results from it. It's just this nasty pesky old remjet that keeps coming up everyone's like remjet oh, what is it on the non-emotion side what is that side called we i don't know is back it called side the base side i don't know maybe the ba- on the back side people don't usually put uh, on the back side of the film on the south end of the northbound film yeah is a is a remjet and it's it's a black layer uh, Leslie says carbon-based, black layer. I guess it is because it's carbon black. Yeah, carbon black. And it's designed to keep the film from scratching and easier transportation in motion picture cameras because, remember, they're shooting 24 frames per second. I thought about actually going on eBay and getting a motion picture camera. Well, imagine that 24 frames per second. Like, we'd be making on, movies. On 35 millimeter, that would be, that'd be cool. Yeah. Just find be. an old Panavision camera somewhere. Uh, and I'll, I'll do my, uh, my Andy Warhol-type moving portraits. <laughs> So, so there are some great film stocks like 50D, it's 50 Daylight, ASA 50, it's phenomenal. 250D if you need a little ASA boost. And of course, the fabulous 500T, which you hear a lot about because it's, it's alluded to but never quite said that those folks at CineStill, you hear a lot about CineStill, have you heard mm-hmm. a lot? Yeah. yeah. That, that it's, 
basically Kodak Vision 3 500T film with the ramjet pre-removed, meaning you could develop it at any lab. And that's very attractive to people because, see, you know, sort of like us, we're all souping now. We think everyone soups. Not everyone is souping, make, you know, processing your own film. So they're taking the ramjet off, which is the anti-halation layer as well. Mm-hmm. So there is a downside to that. Yeah, potentially. Kodak Vision 3 film, the Kodak motion picture film, is right now available at the FPP online store. So for adventurous photographers who are doing their own souping, they're going there and buying it. It's very, very reasonably priced. And it is very easy to take off the remjet, as you were just explaining. Oh, yeah, we've conquered it here. Yeah, so it's it's not a big deal. I encourage everyone, of course, to check out the uh, FPP online. the uh, in the FPP store, the Unicolor C41 kit, and you could soup it yourself. And right between the Blix, and we're going to talk about this. We're going to talk about this later. Save it. Yeah, we'll save it. Save it for the show. If you have any questions, podcast at filmphotographyproject.com. If you're like, oh man, I want to shoot Kodak motion picture film in my still camera. I want to be one of the cool kids. Which is true. Because you kind of feel, you, 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 it gives you kind of a charge, you know, like. Wow. wow. I'm shooting this field that no one else is shooting. That's right. There's something exclusive about it, which is sort of like listening to the FPP. It's like a club. But we're going to talk about that more in the future. Uh, but, uh, the but the biggest news, news, the biggest news of all. You need like a teletype machine sound in the background while you're doing all this. This is hot off the presses. No problem. This just in. No problem. Here it is. Tell our affiliates we're going to need to run long. <laughs> well, you know, last episode, Mark, you had mentioned you were excited about Ferrania. You say, hey, let's talk yeah. about Ferrania. Yeah. And this is a company, uh, an Italian company, which, you know, works well for me, being Italian-American. It's like, hey, pause on. <laughs> What I'm saying is that we have now what we have always needed, real partnership with the government. The big news is that uh, Mr. Dave Bias, formerly of The Impossible Project, uh, David resigned from The Impossible Project uh, last year, and I was um, thrilled to hear that he's now working with Ferrania, and he's going to be starting a Kickstarter campaign mm-hmm. to jumpstart... Yes, you got Excellent. Kind of funny no, this is good. This is good. To jumpstart the Ferrania machines. And from what I understand, this is a full-service, like probably the biggest news film has heard in a very long time, because potentially... Ferrania has all the machines for every format. They can make 120. They can make 126. They can make 127. They can make... uh, 110. I'm not going to give anything away because our man on the street, Hunter White... Ticker tape still going. Our man on the street, Hunter White, was there on the street last week with Mr. Dave Bias. Do you have any, anything to add before we roll it in? No. Are you excited? I, I can't wait to hear what he's going to say. Let's, let's roll right into our interview with Mr. Dave Bias, conducted by our man on the street, Hunter White. And here it goes. This is FPP's man on the street. Glad to be back. And I'm here with Dave Bias, formerly of Impossible and now of Ferrania. How are you doing today, Dave? I, I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. Thank you. So really exciting things are happening. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what's going on? Yeah, so, you know, Film Ferrania, it's been a very slow and very quiet start. The, the founders of the company, uh, it's based in Italy. Uh, the film, the Ferrania factory has been in Italy since 1923. They finally shut down operations in 2010. The Ferrania factory is kind of unique because it's one of only five companies ever in the history of photography that made 
a complete end-to-end, self-contained factory to make color film. Okay, so they don't do black and white. Uh, well, they did black and white as well, but you know, color is more complicated. So if you can do color, right. you can do all other films. Right. You know, Ilford only has machines, for example, to do black and white film. Right. You know, and they they can't do color. But Kodak was the first one. Agfa was the second one. Ferrania was the third one. A Soviet company called Svema right. was the fourth one. Uh, and then Fuji, much later, started. Ma- they made black and white film in the 30s, mm-hmm. but I think it was not until the 50s that they actually made color film. Yeah. And everybody else that makes film doesn't make it. Right. They buy some right. form of chemistry right. or... CVS doesn't make their film. Right. right. Yeah. You know, CVS doesn't have a film factory. Right. You know? um, uh, Kroger or you know, other supermarket chains, they don't have film yeah. factories. And even like players like uh, Adox, for example... Mm-hmm who are still around and, and still make great products, they buy some raw materials from Agfa or from Kodak, and then they right. use their special formulas to coat them, but they still have to buy something from right. one of these five big right. players. They don't make it from scratch. Right. And I think that's an important distinction. You know, Kodak, still going. Fuji, still going. Svema dissipated after the Soviet Union broke right. up. That wasn't exactly the film market, that was other things. Right, and you know, Svema was was Soviet film, right? right? And once the Soviet Union opened its doors, Russian people wanted other okay. film. Yeah. And so Svema kind of dissipated in the 90s, and all that machinery's gone. Agfa is a weird one, because Agfa still makes film, but only a small quantity, and usually just for other people, right. like for the industrial market or for some other people. What used to be the Agfa company is no longer that self-contained thing that it used to be because when they broke up in the mid-2000s, they split into seven or eight different smaller companies. Mm-hmm. They're still an Agfa company. A lot of their machines went to all these smaller companies. So what, we, what, what they found when the owners uh, arrived at Frania was still this self-contained film factory right. that, was empty, that was abandoned, basically. They started talking to the current Ferrania staff, who just make pharmaceutical products. They were like, oh, well, you know, the government came in and bought these buildings from us, so the government actually owns the buildings now, so you should talk to them. Huh. Uh, they started talking to the Italian government. There's, in, the, in Italy, they have regions that are kind of like states. Right. So Regione Liguria is the region that Ferrania is in, and they spoke to the people at Regione Liguria, and they were like, yeah, we, you know... We wanted to keep this area of, of our region a manufacturing district. It's like 15 kilometers from the ocean. They were sort of afraid that developers were going to move in and put up hotels or something. They wanted to really keep it industrial. So they essentially mothballed the whole place and protected it. That's you know, awesome. kept the machines from getting yeah. torn down and looted, and kept right. the buildings intact. But essentially, the, the, uh, everything's been sitting there dormant since 2010. So they go knock on the door in the fall of 2012. They were there to buy just a Super 8 perforating machine because they wanted to make a little bit of Super 8 film and and make a business out of that. Mm -hmm. You know, the government's like, oh, but look at all this other stuff that we have here. We have an entire film factory where you can literally shovel cotton in one machine and pull finished boxes out of another machine, you know? So they started talking and they got some incentives from the government to, to uh, kind of restart things. Yeah. The government had even written a business plan to sell the whole thing to somebody. What our founders found was that 
on this giant 500,000 square meter campus, there was one building that had a miniature version of the big factory. The miniature version was the research and development building. Right. It was built by 3M in the 60s. It's where all the testing and research and development went. And inside it was a miniature coder, a miniature chemical synthesis equipment, uh, everything that was needed to make film. Right. So they were like, oh, what if we just took that building? And they were like, yeah, that, that could work. He's like, but the capacity on this one small building is, is small. You right. Know? And to make a small amount of film is very expensive. Right. So, but to make the film that the big factory, it was like, I, I call it the Goldilocks situation. The big factory made 40 million rolls of film a year. Right. Too many. That's why it shut down. Yeah. You know, because it couldn't sustain itself. It needed right. a staff of 4,000. It's the size of a football field, nine stories tall. It's this massive, massive thing. But the research and development part was too small. Right. I think if you made it all into 35 millimeter rolls, it can make like maybe half a million a year. So it was 40 million or half a million. Right. Those were the choices. And so the founders and then a very small team of the former employees who had not gone out and gotten other jobs mm -hmm. uh, got together and they started looking. They're like, oh, well, you know, we have this machine over here, this machine over here. These could be moved out of their current location and into our smaller building. Right. And with some careful re-engineering, we can make a medium-sized factory. Somewhere in that gap of 95 Make one that's just right. Yeah, of 35.5 you know. Somewhere in there. And so they identified, you know, they need to buy, for one thing, to be completely self-contained, you need to make your own acetate base. Right. The plastic base. This is where you shovel the cotton in, you mix it with some chemicals, and it comes out plastic. Right. We started asking about the industrial scale triacetate machines, and they're huge, and they make more acetate than we would ever need. But by making acetate, we can actually support other small businesses right. that are in the photo industry. So we were like, okay, we want those. And they were like, okay, we can't make enough chemicals at one time to run a big batch. So we started looking at the industrial scale uh, chemical synthesis equipment. And they were like, oh, okay, it's this big, we think we can move it into this spot in the smaller building. Okay. And then they started looking. The big thing that determines how much film you can make is the thing called the drying tunnel. This is, it's like a, a series of uh, pulleys, basically, that run up and down and up and down in a zigzag pattern. Right. The drying tunnel on the big machine is nine stories tall, almost the length of a football field. Okay, so it's big. It's huge. Yeah. Um, and it obviously wouldn't fit in our building. But we needed to increase the capacity of this small machine, and the drying tunnel is the single thing. Thing that controls your capacity. Right. The length of that drying tunnel determines how much you can make in a day. They're like, well, you know, we've been looking at this. We feel like we can take part of the old drying tunnel and put that in our new building. They're basically dedicating most of a floor to this drying tunnel. To this drying tunnel. Right. Uh, it has to be completely light tight. And then they bought all the, the machines that do the finishing or the converting, as it's technically called. So we have a machine that makes 126 packaging. We have a machine that makes 120 packaging. Puts it on spools, puts it in boxes, and kicks it out the other end. And these machines we bought for nothing, you right. know, for scrap prices. Now the acetate machines, the, the synthesis machines, and the stuff from the drying tunnel from the big coder, this is stuff we still have yet to buy. And in order to be this self-contained unit, making enough film that we can make it economically, that we can make enough, you know, because the right. market's still pretty big. It's just not 
Kodak big. Right. It's not Fuji big. It's not 1970s big. Right. You know, these are factories that were built during the during a time when making 100 million rolls of film a year was completely sane, you know. Right. Now it's not. And they've tried, I think, both, you know, all the big companies have tried somewhat to downscale. To really do it right, they'd have to spend tens of millions of dollars. Right. And it would take someone from starting from the ground up instead of from starting from up and going down. Well, even, you know, like Kodak was interviewed a couple of years ago when they broke up into Kodak Alaris. Right. The guy from Alaris was talking about the future of film uh, with someone at PDN. And he basically said, we've cut things as much as we can. It would take literally 20-some million dollars to actually reconfigure. Right. In other words, take the machines apart, throw parts of them away, scale down in a physical sense. And they're just, you know, that would be money that would take them away from digital technologies. You know, they're not going to invest that kind of money. Right. That's why this situation that we have with Franny is so unique. Right. We have this full-scale film factory. We have a small-scale film factory. We have everything at our disposal to create a new kind of film factory. And, in fact, we're... We have an eye towards making something that can last the next hundred years. Yeah. Something that's flexible, that can respond to the market in a very real way. Once you get to a certain industrial size, you're not responding to the market. Right. You're just making products you're just and shipping it. them. Yeah. The minute sales drop below a certain number, you have to do some hard math hard you know, yeah. to figure out how to yeah. survive. And we were talking a little bit earlier about kind of what it takes for a film company to exist in modern day, and you said you wrote sort of a manifesto. Can you talk a little bit about what that is? Well, you know, this manifesto I wrote was more from a kind of marketing and sales standpoint. Mm -hmm. I felt like a couple of things, you know, A, someone needed to come along and create a new manufacturing situation. That was clear. Everything else, the reason that film was dying, quote unquote, was because, not because people didn't want it, but because not billions of people (laughs) want it anymore, you know? It's now millions, which is still respectable. When the industry is built for billions, it slides down to millions. Exponentially less than stuff. Then it appears that things are dying, you know, when in fact it's really just because of the scale of the operations. This manifesto was sort of about that. Plus, you know, I felt like there were lots of ways that film ignored digital technology, not digital capture, Right. With a camera, but other digital right. apps and apps, you know, well, all that connectedness. Right. You know, I felt like there were lots of things that, that had been ignored by the larger industry to sort of make film feel like a more modern thing that people would be interested in using. Plus, we've all seen labs close left and right. We've all seen, you know, the industry at large kind of fall apart. And I felt like in order for it to keep existing, mm-hmm. someone needs to come in and restore some confidence. Right. You know, just confidence that your favorite film's not going to go away. Confidence that if you invest a lot of money in, in film equipment, it's going to still have right, value. Right, it's a sure investment. Right. Yeah. Uh, and there are tons and tons of people, and I've met a lot of these people when I was in Impossible, who want to shoot film, but don't want to make that investment while the market's still so right. precarious. One of my local labs closed six months yeah. ago. Right, and, then, and then it's a question of, like, where do you get the film process? Right. now? What the, what's great is that you know some online uh, you know web based uh, processing labs have have, have popped that, yeah. up. 
So there have been a lot of people who've popped up and filled some of these gaps. And really what was needed was just this unifying force. Mm -hmm. Someone who could support the wider industry as a whole, talk to customers directly, not just put out something and then discontinue it, but literally say, what do you guys want us to make? To be in that position requires this very flexible manufacturing Mm -hmm. situation. So I send this big manifesto. There was also a bunch of other stuff that, you know, about just the way, just ideas about things that could happen in terms of processing or in terms of scanning, in terms of customer service and all these things that had been ignored for many, many years. And I sent this manifesto to Kodak, to an email address for a marketing person I found at Kodak, and I sent it to Nicola Baldini at Ferrania, who I had just discovered. Nicola wrote me back in 15 minutes. Kodak I never heard from. I didn't really expect to. Um, It's like sending a fan letter to, you know... uh, Madonna or yeah. whatever. Like it's, I feel like everybody's yeah. done that and right. no one ever responds. And then when yeah, somebody responds, it it's... Nicola, Nicola responded and you know we started talking and over the course of the next four or five months I really got... Um, I learned about the situation that, that they had been in already for about a year yeah. and we started talking about the future and, and what kinds of things needed to happen between now and the future. In um, June, things started to really kind of fall into place in Italy in terms of the refurbishing of the buildings and moving some of the equipment and planning, really, what to do when we have all the equipment that we need. And so in June, I I kind of came in full-time, put together a sales forecast so that we could try to adjust the business plan, uh, because the business plan was really based on just making film and selling it to other people. Right. And then we had decided, no, we want to sell direct to to customers, not just make it for other people. Right. I put together a new website. We started actually communicating with with people. These guys are scientists. They're not sitting around waiting for uh, emails to come in and stuff like that. They had very, very specific jobs to do. Right. And so they didn't really communicate with the public much, but... The founders, you know, and I really agreed on this idea that the community, especially the biggest diehard fans in the community of film photographers, um, they know, you know, we all know each other to some degree. You know, we communicate with each other online. We've used the internet to sort of bind us into a a group. Yeah. We felt like the best way to go forward was really to, to invite everybody that uses film into what we're doing. As time went on, and I, you know, I kept talking with Nico, I kept learning much more about the situation. I learned what the guys have actually been doing for the last year and a half. Okay. And that was really this idea of, it's not just walking into the building and turning the lights on and firing up the machines and film comes spitting out. An enormous amount of very technical work. Right. that had to go into cleaning the machines right. and, and making sure that they can run continuously. Not just turn them on and run them for 10 minutes, right. but make sure that they can run for six hours straight. a lot straight. of similar stuff that Impossible had to do, right? Sure. Which is an interesting thread that... Yeah, I mean, the thing with Impossible is that the factory uh, in Enskede was really mostly an assembly plant. So they would get the negative and they would get the chemistry and they would get the mask material, and all these things from all these other Polaroid factories around the world, it would all get shipped to Enskede and put together into film, right? Okay. The difference with Ferrania is that you can make everything from scratch there. Right. And the, the task at Impossible was really finding new suppliers for a lot of things that Polaroid had made themselves. And because we had to find new suppliers, 
the entire chemical formula had to be reinvented to match the materials that we were able to find. Right. When Polaroid made all their own components, mm-hmm. you know, they f- could fine-tune everything to work together. Right. We had to buy negative from this guy and chemistry from this guy and mass and make sure that they all could work together. And, it, right. you know, it took Impossible a, a year to redo the whole formula and then another three or four years to really get the formulas to a point where they were decent. The good thing that we have at Ferrania is we have all the chemical formulas. All of them can still be made with some minor variations. We moved into their research and development building, so we have a vast archive of stuff that they never even released to the public huh. uh, that we now have access to. And, and we have guys that were trained by 3M to make this stuff. So the film that we chose to make first at Ferrania was the film that they made last. Right. It just seemed like the easiest way, yeah. you know. And the film that they made last was a Scotch Chrome, a 100 ASA color uh, slide film. We have tons of other formulas. We have tons of other ideas, but it's all very much one step at Scotch a time. Scotch as in the tape that 3M makes? Yeah, so... Uh, Frani was owned by 3M from uh, the mid-60s until 1999. Okay. And the reason I think most people in the U.S. don't know the Ferrania brand right. is because it, 3M used their brands. Right. At, initially, it was Ferrania 3M, and then they eventually just dropped the Ferrania, and it was 3M, and then it was Scotch. And then later, uh, they split off the film manufacturing along with... Um, the comp- you know, they made floppy disks and cassettes and stuff like that, and right. they called it Imation. And so Imation was sort of the last iteration yeah. uh, from 95 to 99, and then they sold it off. And an investment company moved in, switched back to the Ferrania name, and then for the you know better part of the 2000s, Ferrania released film mostly under the Solaris brand. Okay. Uh, and this is, I think the film that most people today are are familiar with. Uh, But they made Scotch Chrome, the Scotch Chrome formula for other people under different brand names literally up till the day that they closed the doors. So it's the last film that was made. All the guys that work for us are familiar with it. We actually have in the small factory uh, most of the materials that we need, most. There's a few that we had to replace because they were expired or whatever. Barring any problems with the machinery, which they've spent the last year trying to prevent, mm-hmm. we're pretty sure that we can make one batch of film this year. It's a small batch, right. uh, but we have pretty much everything that we need already. Okay. We're going to start with 35 millimeter, 120 um, still film, right. and because Franny has a long history in the cinema film business... Right. We're going to make Super 8 and 16mm. Plus, our founder is a filmmaker. And this was his original passion for getting into this was to make film, uh, cinema film again. Right. So, and, you know, we we both agreed that you can't be choosy anymore. You can't just make still film or just make cinema film. You've got to make all all film. Right. You have to do what Uh, people want. Yeah, including x-ray film and, you know, film for other companies that don't sell to the public. And so our founder's been, over the past year, he's been meeting with a lot of players in the industry who need components to make sure that we can, you know, it's, it's uh, selling a, like business to business is really what keeps the factory running full tilt, you know, constantly yeah. churning out. You don't make great uh, margins on, on business to business products, but it, it helps to support the larger industry. So right. we can sell acetate to these guys, we can sell chemistry to these guys, right. and we can sell film finished film right. for other companies to put their own brand on. You right. know? This is something that we actually want to pursue. 
Uh, but more than anything, we want to sell direct to people. Will it primarily be online-based? Yeah, I think, um, especially at first, right. we'll sell direct, you know, on our website, right. uh, ship around the world. Right. Um, we have we have now started a business here in the U.S. We are incorporated in the U.S. Uh, we have a warehouse in Bulgaria mm -hmm. that can serve most of Europe and even, you know, the rest of the world temporarily. And then I think over time we want to open offices, in one in Asia, probably one in Europe, right. to handle shipping and sales and you know, that kind of stuff. But we wanted to start here in the U.S. The U.S. is always the toughest market for foreign companies to crack. Yeah. We, you know, we have me and right. a, a, a team of people already in place here in, in the, the U.S. US. Yeah. who are like totally on board to do this. Yeah. I think, so when Nicola and I met, and we sort of bonded over a lot of shared ideas about what to do yeah. moving forward. And, you know, he's a computer scientist by training, a filmmaker by passion, and that was actually his job for a while. But he's not a salesman. He's not, you know, a marketing guy. Right. Um, so when I met, it, it became kind of a perfect match. Yeah. He can handle the technical side, the factory side. He's the one that has the vision of creating this 21st century film factory. I'm the guy who has the vision for the 21st century film products, film product, you know, and, yeah. and how to sell and them. And how to get it out there. Yeah. How to sell it. yeah. Testing has begun in Italy. The government, in addition to renting us this building for very little money, has spent 1.2 million euros refurbishing it. Like fixing the HVAC, fixing the roof, yeah. uh, hooking us up to a new power uh, grid. Yeah, you need that. Yeah, because yeah. Ferrania had their own power plant, wow. and they're going to tear it down next year. Right. We had to. We right. had to remove ourselves from that and hook ourselves into the grid. And fortunately for us, uh, I learned this just recently, that the grid that we're hooked into is, is geothermal, uh, wind, and solar powered. Okay. And Ferrania actually has very... Um, just very strict environmental laws about right. uh, industrial producers. So the Frania factory was always fairly green, and we're making an effort to make it even yeah. more so. It's funny, it's not because we're all diehard environmentalists. Right. I mean, we care, but it's because it's cheaper. Right. You know, it's actually cheaper to be green. The power's cheaper. It, it's different in Italy. We actually have a, a smaller staff, smaller footprint, all right. these things that helped make the factory even greener than it was yeah. before. And, and all those things, you know, we talk about, like, how to make film in a modern... Those are all very modern business practices that weren't practiced when Kodak was getting started, sure. uh, when Fuji were getting started, when anybody was getting started. Yeah, and, and the fact that everything was just kind of waiting for us at our feet, right? you know, for us to, you know, pick it up. How and, could you not? Do yeah, it? how yeah. could you not? You know, we're, we're human beings, and we're made of chemistry, you know, we're made of natural things. You know, for our photographs, I do think we gravitate a little bit more to film, to photographs that are made with chemistry, and maybe a little less to those right. that are made of pixels, yeah. you know. I mean, there are all these, like, you know, Impossible, there's New 55, there's mm -hmm. all these people trying to re, I guess, rejigger film in the world. Like, are there, is there any collaboration between at least just like talking like between like impossible oh there's and there's definitely talking you know um a big part of what nicola's done over the past year is talk right you know um his other partner marco pani is the technical genius he's worked in processing labs since he was a teenager he's one of the top five film restorers in the world wow. to like take archival films and put and restore them yeah he's really spearheading the operational side of things 
at, at the factory. Yeah. Nikola is, you know, the wrangler trying to get everybody on the same team. Right. And so he spent a lot of time traveling to talk to, uh, he talked to people at CERN, the, the lab where they're finding the God particle. Yeah. They need x-ray film. They're having trouble getting it now because the, you know, the market's kind of weird. Almost and, like hands-on market research. You know? Yeah. You know, and some of these people have approached us. They're like, Hey, you know, somebody told us we can't buy film this, this month because they're out. Uh, can we buy film from you guys? And we're like, yeah, not yet. We wish yeah. we could, you know. He's basically met everybody in Europe who has anything to do with film. Uh, he's met with labs. He's, you know, like I said, very deep into the cinema business. So he, he's talked to a lot of directors. Right. We definitely want to position ourselves as a, as a player, you know. Yeah. We're not a, a, an ivory tower. Uh, we want to help everybody that we can. You know, um, I have a, a very nice lady in Virginia who sells disposable cameras, and she sells more than a million of them a year who is having trouble getting film. You know, all of these people are, are running to us and saying, oh, we want to buy film yeah. now, you know. Um, and this is not to mention all the people out there who have, for I mean, me included, who've watched for the last 10 years yeah. as their favorite films, and like one by died, one by one. Yeah. Right, you yeah. know, one by one by one, these films are going away, and this creates doubt and yeah. sadness and all these frustration, frustration, negative stuff. Yeah. Um, so we want to turn that around. You know, yeah. we want to be the positive force in yeah. the film business, and you know, it, the the thing is, it's so complicated. Yeah. Um, you know, the process of making film. I'm not even. I've, I've read all the steps. Yeah. I've looked online and said, "Oh, okay." There's all these different layers, and it's the thickness of a hair, and yeah. and I know how to how a coder works, and I know like parts of it. You know how it works. You don't know how to do it. Exactly. Yeah. And, um, and so these guys do. You know, okay. these guys that work for us now, who were trained by 3M and Frania, you know, they're the guys that really are going to make it happen. So, is it primarily, like I know you said Scotch Chrome was Chrome, is it primarily going to be Chromes? Oh, you know, that's just what we're starting with. That's what you're, okay. Yeah. Um, and I, you ain't getting no complaints from me. Sure, I, well, Kodak you know, stopped Chrome. It's, it's, we can make black and white, but Ilford makes great black and white. In fact, Kodak, Fuji, everybody makes black and white film. Right. There's so much black and white film right. in the market, there's lots of choice, right. you know. We want to go to the spot where there's not much choice, right. and, and Chrome. Chrome is Fuji. where it's where it's at. Yeah, it's, it's Fuji. It's just Fuji. Maybe right other now. smaller stuff, but and uh, Nicola already posted um, on our website months ago uh, the three formulas that we want to try to make in the first year. So the first one's 100 ASA Chrome, then a 400 ASA Chrome, and then my favorite, there's an 800 to 3200 variable ASA Chrome. That sounds like the best thing in the entire world. That that three M made for a while, wow. but it just never caught on for whatever reason. Yeah, um, and they didn't really put the proper marketing effort into it. I think, yeah. and it kind of died on the vine. We have the formula; we can make it. In fact, it's pretty easy to change the ASA mm -hmm. of film. It has to do with the time that you cure the chemistry. Right. Yeah. Gives you different ASAs. So we're pretty positive we can make those three f formulas all chrome. Uh, in that first year, uh, because even if we buy all this machinery, it's going to take us a very long time to hook it up, right. to incorporate it into the process. We need to buy it soon 
because all the buildings are going to get torn down. Right. Uh, they they finally like after two years now of like talking to Nicola and saying okay let's do this let's do this they finally run out of time and they need to start tearing the buildings down right. and with the buildings go the machines so what we're trying to do is just hoard all the machines in that small in our where yeah. we have a little warehouse that we can put them all uh, that's not going to get torn down. So we take them out of the buildings that are going to get torn down. We put them in another building, and there they sit until we can figure out a how way to get them back in the other building. Exactly. So, and that's going to take a while. Um, we have to get the machines first, then we have to hook them up and mm-hmm. put them into the production right. process. So, we think that probably in our first year, we are going to have a limited production capacity, limited by the size of the factory the way right. it is today. Yeah. We figured out that we can uh, run it with a very small number of people, and then if we add another shift, you know, so we run it for eight hours, and then we run it for a second eight-hour right. shift, we can increase the capacity to a fair number, yeah, uh, but not anywhere close to what we ultimately want. We're going to take a little hit on the pricing and stuff like that in the first year because it's going to be fairly expensive to make right. it until we get to a volume level that right. you know. There's always. This is a law of economics, you know. Yeah. When you make a little of something, it costs, it costs a, lot, a lot, and then there's always it. a point at which you're making enough, and it, it the pricing and the cost good. comes down. Yeah. So how are my grandma would love to shoot film, and my family would love to shoot film, but they don't know it's out there. Even like Impossible Project, they don't know about Impossible Project, right. and I think one of the main ways that people started to know about Impossible was the fact that it got like into Urban Outfitters, and it yeah. and it got out there. Like how are how do you guys think you're going to get the word out there that Ferrani is making film, that it's a good company? Because Kodak can just say, we're Kodak, we have film. Ferrani, sure. and most people don't know the name yet. You know, Kodak still advertises in all the photography magazines, uh, advertises their film, mm-hmm. you know, in a lot of photography magazines. We are not going to have the budgets to right. do uh, that kind of marketing. And you guys, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking you probably won't, like, be in your local CVS at first, whether we're in CVS or not is really up to CVS. Right. More than anything. Okay. It's, it's not as much up to us. It's okay. whether they think they can sell it. So you guys aren't opposed to doing retail well, stuff? Oh, we're not opposed to... Do, you know, selling it direct to people is where we're always going to throw our attention. Right. Because that's the way things work today. Yeah. You know? Uh, it'll probably be, you know, in a few stores, um, a few other big uh, online retailers, um, and then, you know, there have been a lot of stores that have popped up over the last few years, like uh, the Film Photography Podcast right. Store, like Photo Jojo, like, yeah. you know, and there are little boutique stores all around the country that have popped up that, that are focused on analog things, whether yeah. it's vinyl or typewriters or, right. or yeah. film. My experience is that this is where people go to buy film today. Right. They don't necessarily go to the CVS. Right. If, if they're, you know, in a pinch... And out of film, and it, yeah. they've already seen that their CVS still stocks film. Yeah, they might go in and grab a few cheap rolls. Uh, Kodak Gold. Yeah, a Kodak yeah. Gold. Right. <laughs> Most people go online, I think first, and then if they really want to find it in a store, they go to you know the They're, cool the cool store in right, town. The B and H, the or B and H, or K and M. Exactly. Real cool. Especially while our production capacity is going to be limited. We want to pick the right places. Yeah, you know, definitely. It's, it, it's a very simple thing. We want to put the film where people want to buy it. Right. You know, 
as far as marketing, you're right. You know, Impossible moving into Urban Outfitters was almost better than spending a million dollars on a marketing campaign in terms of awareness. Right. You know, everyone walked in an Urban Outfitters and they walked past it and suddenly they were aware like, that... Wait, Polaroid. Yeah, that Polaroid was back. Yeah. And then eventually they learned, it was like, oh, it's Impossible that's back. Right. You know, you can't really buy that kind of marketing. Right. So there's some degree to which... I will probably follow a similar path where we'll just get it out in front of people. Mm -hmm. If they notice it, they notice it. Great. Awesome. Yeah. We want to simply make sure that the core audience, like everyone who's just, you dying know. Dying to shoot some film. Dying to All shoot some film. All the FPP guys. You know, yeah. The people that listen to podcasts, the people that, you know, uh, still post on Flickr. Spend and, hours and, on that. Or, or put their film on Instagram, which yeah. is like a pain in the butt, you know. Yeah. Um, you have to... You process it, you scan it, you resize it so you it's square. You send it to your you phone. Know, you send you, it to your phone, yeah. yeah. So the fact that people jump through so many hoops uh, to, to put the stuff online, yeah. uh, you know, these are the people that care about it the most, obviously. Yeah. Um, the mass market, you know, my mom would probably love to shoot film too. I, she's never really been comfortable with a digital camera. Right. So if there's a way that we can reach those people, eventually... Great. Yeah. That's that's icing on the cake, so to speak. We're not really anticipating being right. that size ever again. You know, it, it's those days have kind of passed. Right. What we simply want to do is make it available. Yeah. Easy to use, accessible. You know, uh, good price. Yeah. You know, uh, we can't be the cheapest film in the world because right. we're going to be the smallest factory. You're going to be the startup. Yeah. yeah. Um, but we can. We think we can be competitive right. on price and and there. Billions of cameras that work. We want to put film in them. Whatever kind of film that happens to be. If there are enough people that shoot... 1620. Uh, 9x12 sheet film. Yeah. Then we'll make some. You yeah. know. Um, we have some ideas, actually, about how to do that in a very proactive way. Yeah. Uh, so that we're not wasting our efforts. Sort of like how every once a year, um, Ilford's like, oh, what formats do you guys want? Place in order. Sure. Right. Um, yeah, Ilford is you know a model of how to make a film company that exists in the modern day. Yeah, you know, uh, they went through the fire years ago and they restructured and they're very sound now and, and ready to take things forward. And so we kind of look to them for for a similar yeah. path. You know, you know Kodak uh, still all the guys that shoot ultra large format. You know, they all get together right once a online year once a year and they order a special batch. And they, yeah, you know, we we think that that's something that we could do as well in the future. Is we already know that uh, there are two companies and a lot of people out there that want one twenty seven film. Yeah, you know, there's some great cameras. There's the little Raleigh four. You know, uh, all these awesome cameras that people want to use yeah. and they just want the film for it and there are enough there are enough people that shoot 127 films still right. that we have two companies that are like please make us some yeah. we, we have the, the market we want to sell it and so we want to sell it as well awesome uh, so the only other format that we are pretty sure we're going to release in our first year is, is a small batch of 127. As far as formats beyond that, 620, 220, 126, Four, five. Uh, sheet film of all sizes, these are all going to depend on the market. Right. You know, We did this survey on our site a few weeks ago to really try to get a sense of what people are shooting these days. Yeah. You know, we put some obscure 
film sizes on there. Not a single one of them had zero wow. users. You know, 110 film had a pretty respectable number. Yeah. Uh, 126 and 127 film had a, a very respectable numbers. 35 millimeter was the winner. Yeah, and probably 120, right? And 120 was way higher than we expected. Yeah. You know, I had been operating under this assumption that it was like a four to one ratio. So for every four rolls of 35 millimeter, you'd sell one 120. Right. I, I don't know where I got this idea, but this was just the idea that was in right. my head. And it's it's way higher than that. Wow. It's it's like close to uh, four to three. So if 100% of people shoot 35 millimeter, about 60 to 70% also shoot uh, 120. So it, it's 120 was way more than we thought. And I had a little inkling that might be the case because I shoot mostly 120. Right, same here, yeah. You know, um, the simple fact is that I love the big negative. I, I love the big scans. Yeah. I love the square format and most... Uh, right, square or close to square. Yeah, and... I shoot 6.7. It's not square, but sure, it's pretty I close. Six, I love 6.7 as well. But, you know, I'm... A, I, I guess because I was a designer for yeah. many years, something about the square format, just... I, I'm better with it, yeah. you know? I started with a Holga. You know, um, my favorite 6.6 camera right now is my Yashica Mat, yeah. um, which I really love. The formats that we make are really going to be up to the people. Right. You know, we're going to make sure that we have the ability to make as many different kinds as we can. Okay. Um, there's always some opportunity costs, like, you know, 120, or, yeah, 126 film is 35 millimeter film in a cartridge yeah. instead of a, a canister, right? right? Closer to doable than a doable. Well, yeah, but to make 126 film means that we don't make 35 millimeter film that day. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's what I mean by an opportunity cost. So we have to make sure not only that we can make enough, that it's affordable, but that we don't shoot ourselves in the foot right. making some weird format that a small number of people right. use at the sacrifice of what Something everybody, everybody is using. Yeah. Right. So... You know, it's tricky, and uh, but I think I think we've already tried to establish, and, and you're going to see a lot more of it moving forward. This this dialogue with mm-hmm. with the customers, you know, yeah. the, a dialogue with the people who want this. We're making an, an enormous effort to create a manufacturing situation that can respond to that. Yeah, uh, which is much more difficult than you would think because the industry's not made. You know, the machines, everything's not built right. to be responsive. Yeah. yeah, It's built to make one thing all day long, as much as possible, right. you know. There's been a lot of thought that's gone into it. There's been a lot of, like, you know, knock-down, drag-out meetings with the, the factory guys trying to, you know, figure out exactly how to put do. all yeah. this stuff into our tiny little building. So if the market takes a dip or if the market takes... Uh, you know, increases, which it has been slightly over the past few years, we can respond to it quickly. Yeah. And, and we have a lot of ideas. We have a lot of ambitions. We want to work closely with anyone making new cameras. We right. want to work closely with anyone making other kinds of film. That We're not looking to make uh, color-tinted, uh, you know, these kind of things. Right. We want to just make film. film. Right. Yeah. How about that? Cool. Yeah. That's exciting news. And of course, if you're wondering, like, how can I find this Kickstarter? The easiest way, I always do, you just go to the Google. The Google. Kickstarter Ferrania Film. So that's, that's really, really exciting. And of course, we'll keep you posted here on the FPP. Brings all sorts of new possibilities, especially the fact that they're mentioning that they're working on a color chrome film first. Mm, chrome has really cool. taken a sort of like backseat to everything. 
even our good friends at the darkroom, uh, Phil and uh, Keith, said, you know, Chrome, Chrome has its season, but for the most part, you know, it's mostly C41. And I the know, time of year, you mean? Yeah. Not like end of an era. No, 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 no. Not, I mean, it's not, just no. slowing down for the, for the winter. Yeah, yeah but okay. it is much slower than C41, and I think you will admit... There are, there are labs even that are starting to shut down E6. It's, yeah, it's getting yeah. a little tougher. But, but this is a good boost for that. Yeah. You have to admit, I know I can admit, that when I get all my film back, it's negative film, negative film. Don't you love looking at your Chrome film? Like, isn't it the first thing uh, you look at? You're like, like the oh. black borders, look, holding it up to the light. It's so yeah, beautiful, just, especially when it's like 120. Oh, my God. Yep. It's it's really awesome. So if if listening if folks listening out there, if you have never shot chrome film, which is uh what else is it known as? Color slide, slide film. Yeah. Grab a roll. We have it right in the FPP store. We have the uh, old Ectochrome frozen since 1996. <laughs> you may laugh. Yes, you may laugh, but there's nothing to laugh about. The guy who FPP acquired it from was a a photographer and he bought like I don't know, like 100 bricks. And he had him in one of those, you know, you know, like the freezers they keep bodies in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Have you been to my basement? And the stuff's been frozen since 96, 94 maybe, 94 to 96. So it's 20-year-old film. It looks fantastic. And, of course, you shoot it, send it to your favorite lab, send it to the folks at thedarkroom.com, and uh, when you get it back, you will be amazed when you hold it up to the light. You know, or, it's, or go all Lomo and cross-process it yourself at home. And That's true. Get all green. That's true. I never tend to do that. No. Do you ever see Chrome 4x5? You ever hold that baby up? Uh, no. Oh, you haven't done I that? don't have any of that, no. You don't have any of that? No. Nope. Okay. I, I have some I can get. All right. Okay. I will take it. Yeah, no. It's it's Because you could take the 4x5. You could, like, let's say it's a picture of your child or your family. You could actually tape it to a window. I was going to say, I would just frame it and hang it in a window. Yeah. You just, it would be like a stained glass window. Yeah, it'd be awesome. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. <laughs> Hey, it's Mike here with John. The Dark Room is a lab on the West Coast, and these days, because you know you're, we're all shooting film, but you know the big question is where do I bring my film to get processed? Because mm-hmm. so many local labs have been closing, and even our local CVS, Target stores, Walmart—it's diminishing. The Dark Room is an option, and they've really stepped up to develop all films. films. 110 film, 126 film, 35 millimeter film, 620 film, 120 film, 4x5 film, 8x10. Wow. One stop uh, shopping. Black and white, color print C41, color slide E6. E6. Uh, 120, 220, 35, 4x5, 8x10. The Darkroom. It's com. They also do testing of awesome films like Lomo, X-Pro, Red Scale, True Black and White, Crossbird, Redbird, oh, Nightbird, oh, hey. uh, Infrared Films. All of us here at the FPP highly recommend you go there. They'll take good care of you. The Darkroom. Dot com. <laughs> Tell them the FPP sent you. Yeah. Hey, we're back. Hey, uh, you know, this most certainly will be the most uh, extraordinary show this year. You know, here we're winding down 2014 uh, because of the volume of information in this show. We haven't even started the show yet, and already we're like, Stupid amazed. Oh, that's awesome. That's a clear canister. That's so cool. Yeah, isn't that awesome? I totally love that. What show? Oh, wait a minute. Hold that up. <laughs> the zoo is going to break out any second. So <laughs> this is actually the quiet time where we get all the, like, the, you know, all the breaking news out of the way. Anyhow, so this is the Canon FT. My Aunt Linda gave me this Aunt in Linda. 1980. Quick load. It is. It's a beautiful camera. Do you, do you own one of these? I have an FP. Okay, it's very similar without the meter, I think. Right. Yeah, I don't think we've talked about that. I forget if we've talked about it or not, but yeah. And mine has the Bell & Howell logo oh, on it. Oh, okay. It's a great, solid camera. 
And you know, if you keep your your <laughs> if you keep your nose to eBay, you know, if you sniff around eBay long enough, you could find a, a, a f one point two lens pretty reasonable. Really? Yeah. I don't, but uh, you know, it's not, you know how like once you buy lens, reasonable is a relative. You know, term. like months later, you're like, oh yeah, I picked it up. I don't know, I think it was under fifty. But then if you actually find the sheet, like, oh, oh, three hundred. Yeah, <laughs> no, I definitely did not pay three hundred for this. If you paid fifty for that lens, I'll be annoyed. <sighs> for a Canon one point two, I don't know what I paid for. I, think, I, I looked for quite a while to get a Minolta one two for less than two hundred, and I couldn't even do it. Right, and I can find anything. <laughs> you don't think it would make a bit of a difference, but it really does. Like the one it two does. is just it's when, like yeah. Just amazing. Well, what else is new? Photokina was new a few weeks ago, and that is, of course, the, the semi-annual event. Is that right? Biannual. Every two years. How's that go? Biannual. Yeah. The biannual event held in Cologne, Germany. You know, it's always nice when folks out there listening, like Dan, yeah. Nanoburger. Man, he, you know what? Dan is the man. He, he puts stuff on. He, like, does stuff. Like, he'll take a camera apart and be like, oh, I did this, and then he'll put it on Instructables. Yep. That's a, and you know what else Dan is into? He was my pen pal via online for like a month, like feverishly typing back and forth to each other because I just discovered microfilm. Remember when I was oh, on yeah. that kick? Yeah. Dan's the man. Well, Dan was at Photokina, and we have two interviews coming up. The first is with The Impossible Project. And I just said to Mark when he first walked in before we were rolling here, I said, you know. What's up with that Impossible Project? Like, yeah. you, you know. They're kind of laying low right now. They are laying low right now. But you know what? They really aren't because their film has improved so dramatically over the last few years. And it's almost like people are like, oh, the film's too good now. <laughs> But what, folks? I, I, I'm actually currently shooting a pack of the whatever the latest SX70 stuff, whatever it's called, and it's perfect. I think it's just called SX70 it's color. Just, yeah, SX70. Yeah, you don't have to shield it. The, the image starts coming up within five minutes. Yeah. You know, it's great. Let's hear what the Impossible Project has to say as Dan interviews them at Photokina. <laughs> Uh, hello, uh, Nanoburger here, and I am uh, at uh, Photokino 2014 at the Impossible Project booth, and we're talking with... Danny Gracia from the PR and marketing team of Impossible based in Berlin. Ah, excellent, excellent. I, I think most of our listeners know about the, uh, the Impossible Project and know the story behind it. Uh, I was wondering if you could just give a, uh, just a couple of sentences uh, about your uh, products and what you guys do, uh, your business model. We uh, saved the last Polaroid production plant in 2008, developed a full new range of films uh, for classic Polaroid cameras. Um, we released our own first hardware product last year with the Instant Lab that transforms digital images into real instant photographs. Uh, we also introduced a new battery last film for that camera that is a lot environmentally friendlier than the previous films we released. We basically uh, reinvented the instant photography medium for classic Polaroid cameras, but we would call ourselves a company that introduces analog products for, for a digital generation. Oh, excellent, excellent. Uh, uh, could, could you kind of go over uh, some of your uh, your existing uh, and new products that you have, uh, just for our listeners who are interested? Yes, uh, we started with uh, black and white and color film in 2010. We now have a range of over 30 different films for uh, classic Polaroid SX70, uh, Image Spectra, and 600 camera, as well as our Instant Lab. Um, we just introduced this week at Photokina a new round frame that puts some kind of new thing on, on the classic square frame that everyone knows so this is a new film that we released that is kind of exciting for us because it takes a big leap forward from the classic format that 
was made famous by Polaroid. Um, we also introduced a new version of the Instant Lab uh, that will work with Android devices, which will be released later this year. Oh, excellent. Do you, do you have one of those labs that work with the new iPhone? Uh, iPhone, what is it, 6 or 7? Six, 6 Plus? <laughs> yes, uh, this Instant Lab will also work with the new iPhones that were just released. Ah, excellent. And we see some of the, uh, the the round frame photos on the wall here. Uh, they remind me a lot of uh, uh, the old-fashioned brownie uh, uh, photographs that you see. Uh, was that the style you're, you're going for? I think we just wanted to put a, a new touch on those iconic pictures. And we were kind of inspired by Dieter Rams, and uh, we like to have something in a round thing. We always thought about that, and then the idea came up to make it for a film. Our head of camera, Oscar Smolikovsky, is always into these kind of designs when they include something that is a circle, uh, which is also something that will be a little bit inspired on the camera. Um, but it was just a, an idea that kind of turned into a product pretty, pretty quick, um, shortly a couple of weeks ago before Photokina. I, I remember uh, two years ago the uh, 8x10 uh, film was the big thing. Uh, I don't see any of that out here. Is that still a product that you do? Absolutely. We just uh, released a new black and white film for 8x10 a couple of months ago with a refined and complete new chemistry that we developed, um, especially thanks to our new CTO, Stephen Hurchin, who used to work for Edwin Land at Polaroid, uh, who joined us last year. Uh, we were also still working on a color film, um, probably with Generation 2 color, um, which we're working on right now for the classic 600 SX-70 and Spectra format that will be released in a few months uh, that offers a faster picture merchants of two minutes and an altogether faster development time. Oh, wow. Uh, I noticed most of the films that you have here today still have to be co uh, protected from light. Uh, is that, uh, are, are you working on that, uh, uh, that, I won't say it's a problem, but that feature uh, in future films? Absolutely. The, especially the black and white film had a, had a big leap forward the last 12 months. Uh, we're right now testing a non-shield black and white film that will be released also in a couple of months. It hasn't, does not have to be shielded from light at all. Okay, uh, I understand there's going to be some announcements fairly soon. Would you like to uh, uh, give us a little sneak preview uh, of, of some of your upcoming uh, ex excitement? Absolutely. We'll release the new Instant Lab uh, later this year for Android devices, uh, plus the new iPhones, obviously. Um, we also um, said and announced that this Instant Lab will work with iPads 2 and Galaxy Note, so it kind of puts even bigger devices to the possibility of transforming it into instant images. We're also working on a new camera that we showed uh, Monday for Selected Press this, this week in um, Cologne here at Photokina. Uh, it will be released uh, next year in summer. Ah, excellent. Uh, and uh, I understand that you refurbish uh, old uh, Polaroid cameras. Uh, this, will, this will be a brand new camera, though? Uh, the camera we'll release next year is a brand new camera that we developed together with Teenage Engineering in Stockholm and White Blue from Glasgow. Um, it was a group of all Polaroid technical people and uh, a very in interesting, very inspiring designer, um, which will be very exciting for us next year. Ah, excellent. Okay, uh, thank you so much for your time. Is there anything uh, else you'd like to uh, add before we uh, uh, cut off here? I think uh, it's just nice to be here and see a lot of people around. It's two years since we've been last time here at Photokina, and it's nice to see new faces and be here with very improved products, especially in film, and we're looking forward to the next two years. Thank you. Okay, thank you very much. Whoa, how about that? Yeah. I like those guys making film for our old Polaroid cameras. I mean, you know, that's kind of cool, right? Yeah. So here's kind of a new thing. You know, I'm really glad that Nano Burger, same as Dan, same guy. Mm -hmm. Dano Burger. That, that he uh, interviewed these guys. Flojo. Fojo. Oh. <laughs> Flojo sounds dirty. What are those guys about? Well, 
He interviewed them. Oh, okay. Let's see what they. Let's see what's going on with Flojo. <laughs> Uh, hi, this is Nando Berger once again at Photo Kina 2014, and we are here with uh, Ivan from Fojo. Uh, from Fojo, and uh, he has a very interesting uh, product. I was wondering if you could uh, describe uh, the product that you have uh, here in front of us. Uh, yeah, well, Fojo develops a photographic enlarger for smartphones. It's basically a traditional device uh, for a darkroom that uses a smartphone LCD screen as a source for digital neg negatives that are then projected through a lens onto any uh, black and white photo paper uh, you might want to use. Uh, after the image is exposed on paper, you then just pull it through a usual chemical bath uh, in a dark room and get a nice black and white print um, for you and your family. Uh, so it looks like you're uh, combining both digital and uh, classic analog printing technique. Uh, can, can you actually do uh, just regular photo negatives in this as well? Uh, yeah, totally. You can just uh, slide in a tray with a 35mm uh, negative or a, f a medium format negative as well and use your uh, smartphone as a white light source to shine through the negative uh, onto the photographic paper. So it's uh, both usable as a standard photographic enlarger for film, as well as, as a digital enlarger for your smartphone. So you can use traditional black and white or uh, color paper uh, for this? Uh, we are advertising only black and white paper at this time, uh, any type of uh, black and white paper. You can also use color theoretically as well, but that's dependent on the chemistry process, not the device itself. So if you're an experienced photographer who knows a lot about color processing, you could use our device for color prints as well. But for ease of use and just playing around, we uh, recommend using black and white paper. It's that simple, fast, and efficient. So it uh, has all the traditional enlarger uh, techniques to include uh, variable contrast filtering? Uh, we have an app that will be available for all three major platforms, uh, Windows Mobile, Android, and iOS, uh, that enables you to edit your photos and even add uh, gradation filters or red filters in software so that you don't have to use physical filters in front of the lens when you expose your photo. Um, this uh, helps a lot for people who don't have experience in the darkroom. But if you want to play using old-school techniques, of course, uh, by dodging and burning and, and using uh, traditional filters, you can do that. You can just uh, output a raw file uh, onto the paper and play with your hands and, and, and with uh, paper masks and all the other tricks that all darkroom masters used to use. So it's a really, really fun thing to play with when you try it. Uh, okay, um, I, I see that all the prints here are in a square format. Is that mandatory or is that just a personal choice? That's our own personal choice uh, because we like the uh, square format a lot and it, it was quite popularized in the um, Instagram boom over the last years. But you can um, output any aspect ratio uh, that, that you'd like. You then, of course, have to cut the excess paper uh, after you're done with the exposure. Our um, uh, base size is 20 by 20 centimeters, and we actually sell uh, pre-cut paper made by Ilford um, that is a, a completely um, uh, uh, 
good fit for this device, but you, you can use any paper, any gradation of black and white paper, any aspect ratio. Um, uh, you're only limited by the quality of the LCD screen of your phone uh, in terms of how big of a print you can make uh, because the resolution of the screen is the limiting factor. Uh, if you have, for example, an ultra HD screen uh, such as uh, uh, the LG G3 phone that was uh, introduced uh, not long ago, you'll be able to do a much bigger prints than you can do with a regular iPhone. But anything up uh, until 25 times 25 centimeters in size uh, should be more than enough um, for any smartphone. If you choose to, to use film with this device and just uh, use the phone as a light source, then you can achieve much larger print sizes um, in terms of quality. The largest we've done was uh, almost A3 format with this device from a uh, medium format negative, so 60 millimeter negatives. Oh, excellent. Um, if uh, you had wanted to purchase one of these, uh, how would you go about it? Uh, you would first have to wait a bit. Okay. <laughs> uh, we are now in the development uh, currently. Uh, what we're displaying here is just a 3D printed prototype. Uh, we, we are in manufacturing at this moment and should be available in Q1 2015 worldwide. Um, uh, the device will retail for around $200 US. And the entire darkroom kit that includes the enlarger, uh, the chemical trays and tongs, and even a small LED battery-powered safe light. So the entire kit will retail for around $300, we hope. Oh, that's uh, easily as uh, expensive as some, some of the more traditional ones, but it adds a lot more fun to it, uh, uh, considering you're using your smartphone. Yeah, and not, not only fun, but convenience as well, because it's so small, it doesn't use electricity. Um, you can put it away in your closet when you're, you're done. You don't need a dedicated dark room at home. You can just do it in your bathroom when you need it. Uh, pump out 10, 10 or 20 photos, give them to your grandma, and then put your dark room away in a closet, which is a convenience that most people who want to enjoy analog photography uh, cannot afford. Um, so uh, it solves quite a few uh, issues relating to um, ease of use, and the entry barrier for uh, enthusiasts that want to try it, but just don't feel brave enough to invest in huge equipment and, and, and don't have excess space at home to play with that. So this is a real live silver gelatin print and has all the archival qualities you'd expect from any other print? Exactly. Totally the same. Oh, excellent. Is there anything else you want to add? Uh, I think that's pretty much it. It's a simple concept. There's nothing more to add. If you want to know uh, more about this, uh, visit our website at www.fojo.me, Fojo Me, uh, and you can learn more about our project, and uh, you can even leave an email address for pre-orders, and then we'll drop you a mail when we're done. And that's pretty much it. Okay, excellent. Uh, thank you for your time. No problem. Thank you. Hey, we're back. So what do you think about that product? I think that thing is pretty cool. The gang is going to be here any minute. But before we go to a quick break, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to set up the old, uh, what do you call it, Keurig. <laughs> the, the Walter Keurig. We're going to lay out the bagels and all that for the gang. Uh, I just want to, I just want to share one quick letter uh, from longtime listener Rosemary Hawkins. Oh, wait. I also wanted to mention that thing that we were just talking about. They didn't mention it. I don't, I don't think he mentioned it on the interview. but yeah. Fojo. Fojo. F O. J-O-F-O-J-O dot M-E. Oh, okay. 
longtime listener, Rosemary Hawkins. So Rosemary has, has been listening to the show for a long time. She says, hi, Mike. By the way, she sent a package, a box of cameras, some uh, Minolta cameras. Mm. That, what's that 7,000 camera called? The Maxim? Maxim uh, 7,000 and a few others. So thank you, Rosemary. She put a very nice note in there and says, here's the camera equipment that I emailed you about. I hope maybe you can donate these or combine the lenses with cameras you have so new photographers can try out film. Rosemary, thank you very much. As you know, we've been supplying schools, cameras, in like packages of like 15 to 20 to 30 cameras. And we're going to be having some reports on the FPP blog about those classes that have been going on. So I really appreciate the stuff that's donated to the FPP. Rosemary goes on to say, The FPP shows are continuing to be so informative and fun, and the new films you are selling have made such a difference to me. It's a big change from using the same film all the time. Mm. Now, I've been getting a few emails like this. I think people are kind of thrilled that there's quite a variety in 35mm. Yeah. I mean, you have all those Shmina films, all the wacky Shmina films, like the Positive One and the MZ3 and all that crazy, you know, old ectochrome. Yep. Uh, What else is in there? The new FPP film. I've got the black and white 400 in here now. Oh, that ASH 400, whatever it's called? Yeah. Awesome. That's what I've got in there. Rosemary says, I think... It really got me out of the rut in my photography. I'm really happy with the results I've gotten from the color infrared. You haven't tried that yet, have you? No. Too rich for my blood. Is it really? Uh, All you do is screw on a yellow filter. You're ready to rock and roll. Uh, She says, I'm happy with the results I've gotten from the color infrared. And the red scale film in particular, Hmm. the new look really creates something new when I use them. It certainly does. Yeah. The red scale as well. It's just different. Thanks very much for the effort you are making in supplying the films and I'm looking forward to hearing about your results with black and white transparencies using DR5. You know, those guys, DR5. As a matter of fact, yep. where, where, where'd it go? I think you oh, look at that. Oh. I, have the, I have David Wood's card here. I haven't asked David yet what he invented, because he does say inventor on here. Oh. That could be anything. Yeah. Rosemary, on an upcoming show, we're going to be talking about DR5. See, John's not here to say what show. <laughs> We're going to be talking about DR5, and for folks listening, DR5 is a lab here in the U.S., Denver, Colorado, that will take your black and white print film, and you'll send it to them for processing with your cash, and you'll get back a black and white transparency, a slide, and it's quite amazing. Mm-hmm. So, Rosemary, you don't have to wait for you know a few more weeks. You could just go to dr5.com and uh, like shoot a roll of like Tri-X... Or no, 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 better yet. Shoot like Shmina 64, the FN 64. Or the Shmina uh, Photo 200. And send it to those folks and you will be amazed at the, uh, of what you get back. Rosemary ends her letter by saying, thanks again to you and all the FPP gang, Rosemary Hawkins. And Rosemary is in New York City. All right, well, I, I, I hear, do I hear footsteps in our hallway? I don't know, but we're going to check and see if the rest of the gang is here in our green room. Do we have a green room? <laughs> Why not? It's radio. We can have whatever we That's want. That's right, in our green room. Matt's in the pool. That's right. <laughs> uh, and when we come back, we're going to be having our big, big show. Big thanks to Nano Burger, Dan, and super big thanks to Hunter White and for uh, Mr. Dave Bias, who is now with Ferrania, for contacting FPP and saying, hey, I got some good news for you guys. So we'll be right back. Hey, this is Mike, and I'm here to talk about Kodak Vision 3 35mm film. 
and you've heard some chatter right here on the Film Photography Podcast, and you may be saying, What is it? It is 35mm motion picture film, the very same film shot in Hollywood in motion pictures. And the FPP is buying this film direct from Eastman Kodak, and right in our FPP studio, I've been cutting it down into 27 exposure cartridges. You may be asking, why? Because the film is so awesome, and although there are other great Kodak stocks out there like Ektar and Portra, I think we all like freedom freedom of of choice. The idea that we could pop a new film or a new-to-us film into our camera and experience what it's like to shoot. And the three films that are currently available right here in the FPP store, they're all Kodak Vision 3 films. The first is 50D. That's a daylight film, 50 ISO. It's amazing because it's so crisp. And the Vision stocks capture so much detail in the shadow areas. It's a wonderful film. For a little boost, I recommend the 250D. That's a 250 ISO film that gives you a little more speed. Most remarkable is the 500T film. This is a tungsten indoor light based film. Perfect. Perfect film if you're a event photographer or shooting indoors let's say in a family dinner situation or something that's indoors or where there's mixed light but most of it is indoor light now this 500T film with an 85 filter orange filter over your lens can also be shot in daylight so it's an incredibly versatile awesome film for those who need some speed in the past what has kept these films out of our hands is the notorious Remjet. This is the black carbon based layer that's on the non-emotion side of the film that's designed to help the film in transport when it's in a 35mm motion picture camera. Protects the film while it's running through at 24 frames per second. And this has kept this film out of our hands because there was no way to process it. But now for those of you who are using our very own Unicolor C41 kit you could process it at home. We have instructions right on our website, the additional step you need to do if you are processing yourself. But the biggest breaking news is that if you're not processing yourself, which is probably the majority of folks who are listening right now, you could shoot this film and send it to the Little Film Lab in California. That's right, the Little Film Lab. And each roll of Vision 3 film, whichever flavor you like, We'll ship out with a piece of paper of where you can send this for processing. Mind-numbing news because we can now all try the Kodak Vision 3 film. And you're going to be hearing about it here on the FPP. So, so get shooting and stay tuned. Thank you much. Good times. Yeah. This is uh, episode 110, October 1, 2014. I'm here in the studio with Dane Johnson. Hello. Leslie Lazenby. Hi, everyone. Mark Dalzell and his fancy schmancy shutter tester machine. It's conceivable that Matt Marash may walk in during this recording. At any moment. At any moment. We really don't know. And John N.J. Bagel Fideli. <laughs> yeah, it hurts. 
this is our show. Welcome. What show? <laughs> this is our new season. Matt! <laughs> Matt Rush! Wait, one more. Where'd you get that? Hey. Walmart? I'm the Yeezys. Yes. Mr. Brown. Mr. Brown. After the Coscafes. Don't go away. Oh, of course they do. Really? Five, five, five. I bet they have it. A case of Mr. Brown. I never saw it before. Hey, man, what's going on? Oh, still got his uh, sunglass indents on his eyes here. That's how fresh he is. Oh yeah. So, Matt, you're you're fresh from the road. Shades. I got my. Woke up at four. Oh. Oh my goodness. Four a.m. That is. Wow, drove straight through. Well, I see. Stop for breakfast. Pull it off a rest area for a shave. That's nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, how do you feel, Matt? I feel great. Wow. Because you drank that other case of Mr. Brown. Yeah, yeah. I had to buy three so one could make it here. All the way here. Mail's in. Okay. What do you got, Matt? I'm uh, shooting Matt with my Canon AE1 Envision 3 stock in it. Do, oh, hi, do you want Leslie to read that? No, I got it. Okay. All right, this is from Robert Lilly, like the flower. Hey, you guys are a pack of cards. No, really, you remind me of the Firesign Theater. Yes, I'm a child of the 60s. I've always been a film guy, reaching back to the early 60s when my father gave me a Minolta A5 rangefinder. Nice. Ooh. Today I use a Deerdorf 4x5 and 5x7 special with, uh, with modern and 19th century lenses, a Nikon F2, and various AIS lenses. Too big for my garage. Uh, various Voigtlander, <laughs> Exacta, Tessar, and yes, I have a Wera too. I live in, oh. I live in Belvedere, NJ, right on, huh. right on the Delaware, and have a large wet wow. dark room. I'm sorry. My only neighbors are eight Mexican nuns, and I have achieved true self-actualization <laughs> just being left alone. I'd like to hook up with some other large format folks, though. <laughs> and then... <laughs> Signed, Sweet Robbie. I've never. Sweet Robbie. That, that sounds like a, interesting. That sounds like a book. Hey, we should go visit. Eight Mexican nuns. That sounds eight like the title Mexican of a book. Eight nuns. Mexican yes. nuns yeah. on the wall. Eight Mexican nuns. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like photo gold. Oh, my gosh. Belvedere, New Jersey. This is from Martin Fennell. We met Martin in England, by the way. Him and his son. Oh, oh right. I'm sorry. Right. Fennell. Fennell. That's why I got to read these go pronunciations. <sighs> okay. Let's go back. Let's book, book the flight. All dearest right. dearest <laughs> film sweats. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> Hi, as usual. Thanks for everything you do. I have a case of the film sweats. I usually keep film in the freezer. Having just gotten to medium format, buying a Bronica SQ, I went to my son's graduation with the camera full of new Portra 160. Yes. I ended up not starting the final roll and probably won't be using it for a while. So, oh. should I keep the entire film back in the freezer, or, as I am inclined, leave it out in the house, keep smiling, Martin? If I may oh, speak yeah. for Mark oh. Dalzell, he just throw it on a shelf. <laughs> Oh, okay. He doesn't get all fussy about it. Yeah. Right, Mark? Uh, that's right, John. <laughs> but by the way, you're pretty awesome when you read those letters. He is getting a little sweaty about this. Like, there's no need to sweat, right? Oh, I mean, keyword new. Yes. New Portra. He's, he's fine. He's yeah. not in tropical Florida or the Amazon somewhere where there's... Tampa. It's a bit balmy out in England. Yeah, he probably has air conditioning and normal environment. Like on the car windshield or anything. What was like the longest you ever left film in the camera and forgot about it and came back and shot it? Uh, My mom gave me a roll and when I developed it, I was only as tall as your knee. Really? And it was fine. Yep. Yeah, so that was... Left in the camera. A couple years. Yeah, Yeah, we cranked it through and... Wow, that's great. A little 620. Here's a letter. From Jason... Wilhoit. Wilhoit, sorry, how to pronounce your name? Wilhoit. Uh, his flicker name. Flicker. 
His Flickr name is J. Will Hoyt One. Uh, I just want to drop a quick note to say much thanks. I attended the FPP photo walking workshop this last weekend. I have never, yup, that is correct, never shot film. Listen to this. I know, yeah. I have been shooting digitally for roughly two years. I had hit a really low point in my photography. I wasn't motivated to shoot. Nothing was inspiring me. Oh. A really good friend of mine, Scott Morris, asked me to come along with him to the workshop. I said yes, very reluctantly. I'm a digital guy. Film is so old school. So I thought. <laughs> I had an absolutely amazing time. Shooting film has awakened the desire to shoot again. Oh. Oh, thanks cool. so much for putting this together. Fantastic. Another happy customer. Awesome. Speaking of the walking workshop, we have another letter here from the walking workshop. Yeah, I don't... This is an event we held this past May in Finlay, Ohio. It was an opportunity for listeners to, like, drop in and hang with the gang. And for the first time ever, we uh, recorded a show with a, an audience. That was a lot of fun. Oh, that yeah. was a lot of fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you're just listening, tuning in, you can go back to, the li- to our library. Uh-huh. <laughs> About 100, 101, somewhere yeah. in there. Okay, this is from Todd Wagner. Oh. And he says, I'm just writing to express my support for the FPP Meetup Workshop in Southern California next year. Oh, yeah. oh. Mm. I made the trip back to Finley, Ohio last fall for the one-on-one workshop with the very talented Matt Mirage. Hey. And also got a great student. Yes. And also got a chance to visit the lovely Leslie Lazenby at her shop. Well, it just says the great, but I put lovely. Now I'm hoping that Leslie, Matt, and the rest of the FPP gang will make the trip out. SoCal to meet with all the lawyer f- loyal film photographers. <laughs> all, the <lawyers. laughs> all the lawyers. I got sure. enough lawyers out here. What's this about? With all the loyal film photographers out west. We're all darkroom fans too. So we'd love to see what happens to our film when it makes its way down to San Clemente. Yeah. Go see uh, Phil and. Uh, well, we have tentative plans. We don't have the date right now, but early 2015, we're going to be going to Cali. I'm also one of the administrators for the Los Angeles Analog Adventure Club, currently 43 members strong and growing. So I think we could get a good size contingent for any FPP event in SoCal. And I'm willing to help with logistics. He's the man. Oh. Todd is the man. Eyebrows raised. Keep up the great work and please try to make it out west in 2015. Todd. Always trying to keep an eye on mm-hmm. someone who says they'll help with logistics. Yes. Because, you know, there's so many things to do. When it's out of your hometown. No. It's Careful what difficult. you offer up, yeah, Todd. It's, it's real uh-huh. easy to underestimate yeah. how much goes into just a, yeah. even a small event. How oh, many my months? goodness, yeah. And, uh, Leslie, you did a wonderful job at the uh, FBP oh, yeah. workshop. You had elves. <laughs> I had some elves. Yes. Because there was, like, bacon on sticks showed up. And oh, <laughs> that was my Wendy elf. And I had an Aaron Elf, and I had a Deborah Elf. Yeah, you had some help. And a step-in Spencer Elf. Put it all together, and mm-hmm. you walk in. It's like this nice spread, and there's okay. someone at registration. Yeah, oh, was, that was my fellow self. Okay. Mm-hmm. That was very well run. And that's so nice. And very these well things run. are, you know, I know listeners want to have more meetups, but it's just so difficult mm. unless it's someone really spearheading it. Yes. And, uh, you know, with me editing and producing the show, it's very difficult to get a grip on that. And yeah. um, it's always great when someone wants to step forward. And okay. Isn't there some, uh, someone who just moved to France who wants us to come to France? Yeah. Isn't that Peter oh. Cooper? 
Peter Cooper. Peter Cooper. Peter Cooper, I think. Daniel go? I think yeah, so. I'd go yeah. France. <laughs> France. Shit. Moved from Canada back home to France. Ooh la la. Perry, Grand Perry. Wee oui, wee. Oui. Oui. You could buy some Serge Gainsbourg records. That's right. Uh, oh. You go uh, digging through some vinyl stores and camera stores, man. That would be great. That would be great. Carol. What's a good French camera? Are there any French cameras? Retonette? French cameras. Retonette. Sounds French. They're retinette. They're French. Retonette. Is that how you say it? Or retonette? I have no idea. We're going to take a quick break and we'll come back. We're going to do a quick follow up conversation from our last show. What show? About. Sorry. About TLRs. We'll be right back. It is from Kodak. It delivers the highest resolution. Microfine grain. Superior image structure for ultra-sharp detail. It is called Ektar. Ektar Film by Kodak. The genius is in the details. Ektar Film now comes in a new cartonless package in 25, 100, and 1,000 speeds. Hey folks, this month's Book of the Month is Making Kodak Film, the illustrated story of -of state-of-the-art photographic film manufacturing by Robert L. Shanebrook. This is a great read for anybody that's ever been interested in the, the science and a little bit of alchemy that takes place in making Kodak film. It shows you step-by-step how they coat black and white C41, E6, and the the now discontinued K14 process films. It's an incredibly detailed process, if you didn't already know, and it kind of really details why, you know, there's really, there's only the one process or coating facility in the world like Kodak and why there potentially will never be another. Uh, it's, a, it's a great read, very illustrated, great detailed uh, pictures showing, you know, just how everything works. It's kind of like a, an extended episode of how it's made just for Kodak film. You can head over to Robert's uh, website on it, makingkodakfilm.com, or if you have any email uh, inquiries, you can also contact him at makingkodakfilm at yahoo.com. They're taking pre-orders until September 30th for the second printing of this book. That's why we're bringing it up we've talked about it in the past but hey this is a good enough book that yeah it gets two books of the month it's awesome so again makingkodakfilm.com and if you've ever been interested or have a film photographer that you know will be interested check it out hey everybody you know back in 2010 yes way back back in 2010, 2010 I started chatting about like, hey, why doesn't FPP, why don't we make our own 620 spools? Because at the time, back in 2010, it was so difficult to find a 620 spool. And of course, 620 film is nothing more than 120 film. It's the same film. The only difference is the 120 spool and the 620 spool are different. 620 spools are much thinner and they fit into the old Kodak brownies, some of the Ansco cameras, and just some of the 1950s, 1960s cameras that quote-unquote took 620 film. There's no reason not to shoot with these cameras. You can get authentic, newly produced, mold-injected 620 spools right in the FPP store, filmphotographystore.com. So you can now roll any of your favorite 120 films right onto a 620 spool, or if you don't want to roll, you could just buy 620 film right in our store world's largest selection of 620 films and it's growing every day get out those kodak brownies you will be amazed at the amazing images that can be made on those old kodak brownies get out your 620 film 2014 2015 and beyond 620 film thank you much 
Hey, we're back. <laughs> hey, you know, uh, the TLRs is a very popular subject matter. Uh, for po- folks out there who, do, who don't know, uh, Matt, what is a TLR? Sure, TLR stands for Twin Lens Reflex. So instead of a single lens reflex camera where you have this big old mirror that slaps up and a penaprism that adds weight to the deal, you have a viewing lens which is on top, which is what you're seeing the image through, and then right underneath it, you have the taking lens. So that allows you to get better handheld uh, shots for people that don't like using a tripod. They want to keep it uh, nice and easy Mm. on the street, but they also want to use uh, medium format. TLRs are a great way to go. Super compact, lightweight, optics are great. Um, And chicks dig the way they look. They absolutely do. (laughs) They do. Look at Vivian Mary. She used a TLR. Like, that's, oh, that's my camera. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Both of them. Take a picture. Let me see. Let me see it. Now let me Last see it. Show. Exactly. Let me see it. I'll uh, come back in a month. <laughs> that's right. Sadly, uh, Leslie and Matt weren't at the last show. Oh. But we, I'd like to know, you know, Leslie, uh, what is your favorite TLR? I don't have one. Okay. But you brought one. I, I brought one because uh, this one might be. And this is really, really interesting because I bring this one in today. John Fidelli is sitting here yeah. with its Hi, how are you? sister. Yep. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is a Roly, a Roloflex, an early one. Uh, it's called the Automat, one of the Automat series. And Automat. Automat. It had a, a few features <laughs> that were different from everybody else at the time. It doesn't have a red window in it. Mm-hmm. So it senses when you put a roll in, it feels the thickness of the tape and two winds, and you're up to number one. This one was made in about 19, uh, 19 early 1950s. Uh, it has a very interesting story as to how I obtained it, but it has the original box to it, so which is just beautiful. Ooh, yeah, and the sales that. receipt is inside. Oh, how much? So this you was a, this was a, a service man that bought this. I'm going to assume rather than a service woman. Um, Navy, Army, what? Yeah, it's called the NAAFI, the Navy, Army, Air Force oh. Institutes, or the Arm, the family sure. store for the British. Right. This is the British, uh, sure. what, we would call, what do we call them now? The, call I don't know, the, the PX, thank yeah. you. This was their version of the PX. He paid 42 pounds, wow. 11 shillings, and, uh, uh, and 11 pence. It was $71 new. Wow. And I th- find it amazing if you take this into 2014 dollars, $661. Wow. Wow. What year? Oh. 1951. <laughs> um, and what amazes me about this um, camera is there is a exposure index, because this does not have a, uh, yes, in, built into it. But on the back of it is an exposure setting guide, very detailed. Exposure, sunlight, made August, 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. Oh, that's great. And it gives you all the potential it's settings for groups in open air, groups in shadow, groups under bright trees. I suppose uh, dim trees. And then, if it's March, <laughs> April, September, October, or no sun, times two. But there's that whole detail on the yeah, back that by the yeah. time you figure it out, your subject's gone home. Um, <laughs> and th- this is a, a, a Zeiss lens on it, a 3.5. There was typically, I believe, a Schneider 2.8 mm-hmm. that might be a little bit more desirable. Mark has this it. thing is, like, brand new. <clears throat> it came in the great... Night, uh, 2014 Leslie Camera Salvage event, which I'll talk mm. about later, <laughs> and because it is, it's a, it's really a trip. But 
Uh, I haven't used it yet. I've just gotten it. I've tested it out. I've done a clean on it. Everything seems to be absolutely perfect. So right now, I'm, I know I'm going to enjoy using this. A square format sometimes drives me crazy, but when you shoot architecture with square format, it is a joy mm -hmm. because the buildings never tip over. It's so easy, it mm -hmm. seems like. And, with a square format. So currently I'm going to say that my little Rolleiflex Automat 6x6 Model is, 2 K4B is, your current favorite. is my current favorite. Mm -hmm. what, what do these numbers mean? I wish I knew. I've got them too. Now what is John's? How does, how does it compare to yours, John? John's is <coughs> tiny There's a couple bit of different older. features. Mm -hmm. Hold yours up, John. She has a... With uh, Leslie's. <laughs> Look out. It does that? It does. <laughs> one one glaring difference is that on the uh, plunger, uh, I don't have a uh, plunger adapter on my firing button. Right. She does. It's not threaded. Mine's threaded. Here's I can a put threaded a cable release right. in it. Yeah. PC? Yeah. Uh-huh. PC. MNX. Yes. M&X, M&M's. M &M's. Oh. Yep, M&X. Um, and what was the other thing? So John, um, John Leslie comparing a Roloflex with a Roloflex. Now, the thing about them is... This is one model previous to hers. But yes. You really don't know, do you? Or is there some well, code? Well, one never knows, is do you? Is there like one? some Tom Hanks type code on there? Code? Tom Hanks. Like, how, like, like those models are basically the same. That's they the same are the camera. same model. This is the model series. Oh, right. okay. <laughs> and his is a K4. Mine's a K4B. So as they made little minor changes... But there's not much a difference between those two. Very little. No. Very little. That's about it. That's mm -hmm. all we can see. John, uh, that's, that camera's new to you. Yes, it is. And you're very happy with it. I love it. Since the last show, have you so. shot with it? Shot like six rolls through yeah, it already. Yeah, wonderful. Which are is you like unprecedented it? for me. I love it. Yeah, I'm loving it. How are you getting used to the, you know, looking down to the viewfinder? Well, I have a couple of Yashikas. Okay. The Yashika Matt and the 44D. Right. Now, you have an active family, children running around. Oh, yeah. So how do you do? You have to set. Do you set up your sh like? How do you? I, how do you shoot? They usually run around, so I set a, a focus point and wait for them to run into it. Okay, that's good. That's my technique. Have you seen any results yet? Uh, not yet. So so far, it's I a mean, perfect camera. But so far, it's amazing. Yes. But you don't care about blurry if it's if it tells no, helps, if it's helps got, tell the story. Yeah, if it's got good you know composition and crazy kid faces in it, it's usually a keeper. Uh, this is not off topic, but Leslie did mention the square format, and I have to tell you, the square format, I could never adapt to it. I had difficulty with it. Like, I never really embraced it until right, what's the problem? Instagram. Uh, yeah, jeez. Instagram makes you use the square format. I have one word. All the time. For Do you that. use Instagram? What? Absolutely not. Sacrilege. None of this well, is, well, yeah, is, is going to make the show. No, working your way back. No, no, no. This is go no, no, no. This is not. This is... <laughs> This is going to a good place. Let me tell you what I do. <laughs> well, you always like pointed the finger at me when I had the hipstamatic, because well, that's the same thing. It's a square format. Yeah, well, it is the same thing. Hold up, you were always like, What I did was I made some amazing discoveries technologically, and I'm sure people listening have either been there or don't even know what I'm talking Go about. Ahead, Mike, lick but, the digital boot. No. <laughs> No, I'm not. This, I'm, I'm telling you where this is going. It's going to a good place. First of all, okay. someone hit me to Google Drive. Uh -huh. Sure. Google Drive is basically from any device or your computer. Once you set up your Google Drive, which is linked to your Google email account, Gmail, it gives you a virtual hard drive where you can put stuff. Mm -hmm. And it shows up on your computer. It shows up as a, as a hard drive. It shows up as its own drive. Really? And it's in the air. Uh, free? Cloud storage. Yeah. It's free. Uh, the first... What, 15 yeah, gigabytes? Yeah. Gigs, or, yeah. So That's I pretty good. immediately started dragging some stuff over from my scanned images to the Google Drive. 
And also, because of all these devices I now have, I have a, a Galaxy phone, I have a Samsung tablet, I go to Flickr, my favorite, pick my photo, photo shots, download them right mm-hmm. to my device. Mm-hmm. All of my Instagram shots are my film shots. I'm using Instagram to just post. Oh, you're not actually taking pictures of Instagram. social. Oh, mm. you know, okay. uh, on this format. Oh. So as you know, Matt, there's so many that you'll fall over. You got Instagram, you got Tumblr, oh my you gosh. got Flickr. There's so many. I, I'm sure there are others I don't even know about because I'm not. Cool. It's electronic peer pressure. So, anyhow, high school. <laughs> it is. Getting back to Square, Instagram, you can only post a square image, it gives you a box. So, my images that pre exist, I have to crop them to square. And uh-huh. it's got me thinking about mm-hmm. how do you crop for a square image? Because it's difficult uh, sometimes. Yeah, Wouldn't you say, true. Leslie? That's true. A little more used to it because I used to do a lot of SX70 or Polaroid as SX70 right. times zero, mm-hmm. just, just about a square. So, and that mm-hmm. drove me crazy. If you're all doing the time. a portrait shot, you have to, like, okay, you uh, lay down, you like, cram in, fold you lay up, on top um, of the shelf. You want yeah. to just fold everyone into that square. Exactly. So. Um, John, you like the square? Yeah, you do. definitely. Yep. You like the square? Yeah, I just pick a corner. Okay. Matt, your favorite TLR. Oh. Is it, what is it, and is it square? Um, it's Of course it's square. I don't actually know of a TLR that isn't unless you're cropping it in post or Right, whatever. which these allow you to they shoot. They have frames. And, uh, uh, rectangular format. Okay. But, um, the first TLR experience I had was one of uh, Leslie's big... Hunky Mamiya C330. Oh yeah, oh yeah. We had one here on the table last time. Oh, yeah, yeah. C3. Oh, it was a C3. Oh, yeah, even, even larger. Another twenty yeah. pounds. I'm going to the trade shows now that I go to like eight nine trade shows each year. Um, I get to see brand new stuff. And I don't know if you guys know, Rollaflex, even though they're owned by a another entity, they still make film cameras brand new. Really? And Rollaflex now has. Let's see. Their, I got to see their newest model, and it's wow. it's pretty freaking snazzy. Well, let me TLRs? See. TLR. The Rollaflex wow. 2.8 FX. It's a fully. Uh, if you look through the viewfinder, there's like an LED readout. Oh, neat. No way. Oh yeah. boy. Now they're they're not cheap. <laughs> but no, they're. Hold like this. Like I can't even imagine. What do they go for? <laughs> they're going for fifty four hundred. That much they'll they'll engrave. Oh, they'll, they'll, they'll engrave the nameplate and oh, they'll, they'll do like great. custom anodizing. Do whatever beautiful. you want. It for is it. beautiful. Yeah. So wow. these are for you know the, cl- the collector slash photographer that wants to just have a really trendy film camera. Does TTL you know automated mm. Uh, mm. metering and flash metering? So That's it's, wow. it's like a modern wow. camera, but shoots on film. Shoots on film and That's the lenses. Wow. That's the thing great. To look what are the lenses? Um, it's a two point eight. It's even. It's somehow it's crisper than the two point eight lenses you guys got there. It's, yeah. it's insane. 3.5. 3.5. Mm. Oh, 3.5. Yeah. Yeah. That's a 2.8. Two, two and then they also have some modern, like very, I don't know, 80s imagination of techno mm. uh, SLRs. Really? Yeah. Oh, my God. They, they just look black and boxy. You get the uh, trade show prices? Oh, I know. I just I go and uh, handle fondle. other things. Yeah, fondle. <laughs> By the way, can you update our audience? Like you say you go to trade shows. Like what shows do you go to? Which what show? show? And uh, like who, who, what outfit do you go with? Oh, sure. Um, so I go to trade shows um, with with my job, which is at uh, at LumaPro. So I do um, – I go to any show where uh, they're going to have photographic lighting on display. Uh, the big ones from for every year are going to be like – Imaging, <laughs> Mark. Uh, imaging, uh, Photoshop World, uh, the Photo Plus Expo, mm-hmm. Photoshop World. Yeah, f- yeah, yeah, yeah. 
That's not the best show. But then there's a lot of the wedding shows. Those are great because there's uh, there's a growing number again of uh, film shooters. You get okay. to see labs there. A growing um, number of wedding shooters shooting film. Yeah, like it's it's like coming. It's, it's like coming com- up, coming back a little bit. Um, I get eight nine shows. There's like the smaller uh, PP, uh, like the professional photographers mm-hmm. of different stage shows that we do. Um, I just did one in North Carolina a couple months ago, so it's. What about European shows? Uh, n- haven't Not done Photokina yet. Yeah. There's been talks of, of it, <laughs> and obviously not this year. So the next eligible year would be 2016 mm. at that rate. But uh, so your favorite TLR? Uh, it has to be the Rolleiflex. The Rolleiflex. You have it with you? No, I don't have one. I actually don't even own one. Um, but I, I like that one. Uh, the 2.8G. Those are the ones yeah. I really like. A little bit like more modern. Than it's, a, it's a slightly newer. They have the same lenses. The, the but you have a Hasselblad. That he got for like two I have bucks. a Hasselblad. And but that's, that's not your favorite. Well, no, no, no. You said favorite TLR. Favorite oh. medium format still. Hasselblad. That's not a TLR. Oh. Yeah, Hasselblad. No contest. Gotcha. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I st- and I still use that guy. So it's. It's just a good standby. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say, like, if I was shooting in more situations, like, I just don't care if I have to bring a tripod with me. That's the bottom. Uh, the oh, you like, don't? No, I use a tripod all the time. You do? How yeah. about well, a monopod? Large format. Oh, you large use format. a monopod? Uh, I... I, th- I think for like not with your large format, obviously. Well, uh, yeah, but I just feel, <laughs> I feel like in ninety percent of the situations I'm going to be in low light. I just might as well throw yeah. out a tripod and get that many more stops out of it. But you know, we, yeah. we need to talk about tripods because I need to get like a nice, inexpensive tripod. Right? Never, I, tripod I can help pods. you out there. So we're going to take a quick break, mm-hmm. and when we come back. We're going to do some more. Dane's going to talk about some of his favorite films. He brought a little assortment. Yeah, funky funk. Funky funk. <laughs> <laughs> And maybe Leslie could tell us about you know some of your favorite films. Ooh. We have a whole top. We'll save that. We might. Okay. We'll be you right might back. Rabbit. You might. We'll be right back. Hey there, FPPers. Did you know that darkroom.com now offers sheet film processing? Sheets. That's right. 4x5 and 8x10 black and white C41 E6 processing. Nice flat rate. Check them out. Thedarkroom.com. Click on sheet film processing. Fill out your form. Ship it in. They'll process it, send it back, lickety-split. They have excellent customer service. They do a great job. Consistent, dependable, thedarkroom.com. Check them out today. Yo! Do you love the Film Photography Podcast? Show your support. Visit our online store at filmphotographyproject.com. That's right. Your purchases at our store support this show. What show? (laughs) You're not only supporting the podcast, but you're also supporting our ample giveaway programs and our workshops. Just go to filmphotographyproject.com and click the store button. Good golly, Miss Molly. We're an official reseller of Kodak Alaris Films. That's right. Impossible Project Instant Films. Super amazing. And our very own FPP hand-rolled films. Your one-stop shopping. I have to tell you, I spent all my waking hours, no joke, <laughs> seeking out awesome films for your 35mm and 120 cameras. Most notably is the addition of Schmina Films. Shmina from Eastern Europe. That's right, Shmina Films. Right in our very FPP store, you'll see the famous Shmina FN64, Photo 100, Photo 200, Photo 400, and lots more. 
as well as Eastman Kodak black and white motion picture film. That's right. That's right for your 35mm still camera. Such stocks as Eastman Double X, Eastman High Contrast 5363, and the awesome Kodak Fine Grain 2366. Check out all these unique film stocks right at filmphotographyproject.com. Hey, thanks. Let's get back to more show. Hey, we're back. Hey, really fast, I want to talk about... Matt, do you have this? Do you, have one, do you own one of these? No. Oh, I'm the Ballard's new album? What? This is a new album. Oh, I don't know how new it is because he's so prolific. This is a yeah. new album by uh, Ballard. Uh, our good friend... Uh, uh, what's his name? Darren Pancho Riley. <laughs> Darren Pancho Riley. Darren Pancho Riley. Darren Ballard Riley. We play his songs every show, folks. At the end of the song, mm-hmm. you'll hear a song from Ballard. Ballard Pop. Mm-hmm. It's ballardpop.com. And the latest here in our hands is called. Napoleon. Yes. Mm-hmm. Speaking of the French. Uh-huh. Wee oui, wee. Oui. Uh, has a great, great Darren cover on it. Yeah. <laughs> Image. Yeah. I have one of these. I've been playing it. And yep. uh, I just gave a copy to Matt. Leslie has one. Uh-huh. Uh, They're very witty and, and mm-hmm. just beautifully done. There's such great songs on here as Where Are You, Silver Surfer. Yes. Mm. Fish and Chips. Uh, classic. There's a bunch of songs on here, including the thought-provoking Right Train, Wrong Destination. Lovely. That is actually I got a good the one, too. Right Train. Wrong destination. Is that how it goes? Yeah, something yes. like that. I, oh, I made it sound like Michael Nesmith. Thumb oh. up of approval. Oh, Uh, Dane, man, Ew. let's talk a little bit about yeah. some of your favorite film. Yeah, but then Mike brought me his crazy bag of film, and and then I crazy, you know, that's that was one thing. But before that, even just the the Sphema stuff, the, the poly, the first time I scanned in like some polypan, mm-hmm. and I, I wasn't even sure. I'm like, yeah, it's black and white. What are you gonna do? And I'm like scanning, like whoa, and it was just the softness, and but everything that needs to be sharp was sharp, and then the glowing whites around the, the heads and the. I mean, that was just... So then I was like, wait, shoot, I think I've been mainly shooting black and white now for a few months now just because a lot of those more interesting low ISO, ASA films are, are all tend to be like black and white, I guess, a lot of them. But except for... <laughs> but the uh, some of my favorites lately, uh, the Eastman Double X. Okay. Oh. I, got, I ran a load. Man, I was sharp. And then the Polypan F, of course, is the glowing one. So that could be like the, uh, the Photo 200... See that? Yeah, that's oh, a uh, yeah. That that, that the Sphema Photo 200. That one's the 120. Like, that's like oh, the crazy, 120. 120. You crazy gave me girl. some of that. That oh. stuff 
is like cloudy. I mean, it was just like milky, cloudy. Like, bad. No, I, I well, it might have been light leaks or something on my time, but I thought oh, it looked great. I think maybe, yeah, it is. It was. It's the number one of the Schmini. Wow, yeah. I mean, no, it looked, it was just like a whole, had this whole dreamy effect kind of thing going on. It's too bad like, I have to sit in, to, in a black room for hours to actually ah, make that well, film. Yeah. That's right. That's <laughs> why. We appreciate no, it. We appreciate the black marks on your soul. Okay. And then, uh, the Eastman. I can taste the mic suffering with every yeah. frame. And the Eastman 5302. Oh, which yeah. was some stuff expired in 1972. Oh, the yeah, that came out like the the contrast on that was like it's black. No, did you work? <laughs> did you work the, the levers on your scanner to, to actually bring it up? Sometimes you, have to, you bring Pull up the, the middle. Oh yeah, 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 Pull definitely. I usually I do that in uh, in uh, in uh, silver dark Lightroom. Oh, Lightroom. So what I tend to do is with, when I scan stuff in, if it's Slide film, I, I I let the I let the silver fast do a little more of the adjustment because it just if you scan the slide film and just it's just flat with mm. if you don't let it if you don't do some adjustment and then I take it into Lightroom before I put it on the Flicka and uh, and then I do some stuff in Lightroom which is what I found if anybody not we could probably have a whole show on that but oh, yeah. if anybody lately the main thing in like th- things like Lightroom is to lay off the auto buttons I mean yeah. if, you, if you have something with a cool silhouette all of a sudden it tries to bring out all the dark mm. and it right. just doesn't so in general I had sort of the first thing I, I had wanted to go back and redo a bunch of my scans because I was like Production. too much on the auto button you got to lay off mm. the, yeah. lay off the auto tune <laughs> go J.O. Yes, Bieber yeah. So, and then the other one, the Kodak recording, which was another one that was really hazy. Yeah. I mean, which is in a cool way. Not the guest, the regular. Which one is the Kodak recording? It's just called Kodak. Co- oh, it's the co- it was it 800 ASA film? Uh, it's Kodak recording. Film. Yeah, yeah, oh. yeah. Okay. It's a discontinued, right? Uh, highly expired film. I was shooting at 400. I don't know what you uh, shot it at. I think I did too because you told. I think you the told green me is it. like off the hook. Yeah, right? it was it's crazy. Yeah. Now so. that was always green. As a matter of fact, I may have sent you a link. There's a gent online. Mm. He did nudes on that. Oh, yes, because yes, of yes. the green, mm-hmm. they were you know awesome. Ah. Pre-censored because of all the green. As a matter of yeah. fact, that <laughs> film is available in the FPP store. Ooh. Kodak. Then of course the you sent me some uh, Sema 64, the mm. expired 92. The Shemina 64. Yeah, yeah very. Yeah. Not too much blown in the, the contrast side or the cloudy side. Yeah, that gets high marks. That film. Yeah, that's much. yeah. Mm. And then I brought a few that uh, that I'm looking to get to next. That Mike had brought me at a smooth one night. The uh, I can't read. Chi- all the writings in Chinese. Oh, Chinese military surplus film. It's lucky. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Green. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. it's free. Film is green. Yeah, hold on. Why why so green? Yeah. Red scale Svima. Yeah. This is new, right? Yes. It's ASA twenty five. FPP fame. FPP brand. It gives a very subtle, just like the just like the Shmina color. Mm. It's a very subtle red scale. Mm. Okay. It gives it much more of a yellowy glow. Cool. The, uh, yeah, the FPP 200 black and white. We're going to be talking about that in the and show. And then or the original. What is this? It? <laughs> oh, this is more laboratory. Okay. Some Sphema. I guess he's rolling some of that yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah, and this is a ISO. What's that called? 12. M3 3. Oh, oh, yeah. M3. MZ3. And I love how it looks like it's like Soviet military yeah. grade. That's a very busy that, label. That's a very low grain high. What's up with this? High grain. There's the final little stuff. Eastman Super Double X. Eastman Nitrate. The Nitrate. So uh, no smoking around this film. And I don't guess. get it hot. Motion picture film. Yes. Yeah. And it is, this is also laboratory. That will like like if you put a match to that, it'll just. Yeah. I usually process it and throw it and scan it and throw the nags away. Do you really? I, I actually do. Ah. And I, I'm not normally. Well, I, I don't think, think it's going to catch fire. I, on its own. Uh, well, Can't you put it in after I watched. Little, uh, little uh, Brad Pitt in uh, what was the movie? Uh, Glorious Bastards. Oh. 
Ah, yes. Yeah, that's true. he's set uh, oh, the theater yeah, on fire with that. Went right up. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's right. So I'm really happy that you're getting great results out of that. Well, thank you very much, Dane. Yeah, yeah. fun stuff. Mm-hmm. Thank you for the batch of crazy film. To- yeah. We'll be right back right after this quick message. Hey, this is Michael Rosso, host of the Film Photography Podcast, and a huge thank you to folks out there who have donated to the FPP over the last few months or year. If you love the FPP and really dig the podcast and continued blogs, videos, then please consider donating to the Film Photography Project. And you could do so very easily by either finding a camera, a film camera that works, and consider donating it to the show. Do you have any excess film that you're not shooting? Or if you can make a contribution, you can easily do that on the FPP Film Photography Project site and click Donate. Everything that's received is used for the Film Photography Project and its podcast for our monthly giveaways and any monies that are made in the FPP store just fuel the podcast. Let's keep these shoes going. The Film Photography Podcast. It's here for you. That's right, yeah. Yeah. Thank you very much. Hey, we're back. Hey, you know, everyone's out uh, on a break. Leslie and John went that way, and Dane went that way. Leslie's got to get her Newport on. (laughs) Where's Matt? I don't know where Matt is, but, you know, we're just left here. We're going to do a quick segment while everyone else is away. (laughs) While everyone else is fixing their bagels, they can hear me. Dane, you got that everything bagel. This is the Foldex. What? Let me get it open here. Um, Oh, look at that. The Foldex 20 made by Fotac. Oh, my it's like God. Ronco. It sounds like Ronco. A Foldex. I never heard of it. Yeah, it's it's a tiny little thing. Um, Fotac. Fo- how you spell it? P H O no T A K. Fotac. No, it's F. It says right there. Oh no, for real? Yeah. It does say Fotac. Yeah. But it's called a Foldex. F. Well, Fotac is the brand, right? And the and the model number is the model is the Foldex. Is this way back in the? This is an old camera, by the way, folks. Is this some guy who worked at Kodak at night when everyone was gone? He like basically machine shopped his own. Like, is this a knockoff? Uh, no, this was this was a full. I mean, Fotac itself was a small brand. Oh, okay. They they in turn were supposedly made um, in Chicago by the Chicago by the U.S. camera company. Oh, Chicago. So they had a whole bunch of different models out. There were so many of these at the time. Right, 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 right. But the interesting thing about this, speaking of Kodak, yes. is it will accept 620 film. Whoa, whoa, whoa. It's, is it a 120 film camera? Yes, it is. But it will also take 620. It's a 120 and 620 Never. camera. How do you find these things? How did you find that? This, ah, oh, this was such a sad story. Uh-oh. I was far from home. Yes. On a Saturday morning, and there was a flea market nearby, but I had to be somewhere. Literally, I had to be somewhere in 20 minutes, and I had 15 minutes to look through this flea market. The first 13 minutes was wandering around looking at junk, and then I saw this beacon in the distance, a table covered with cameras. So I went up to the guy. Which which flea market? Uh, It's in Dover, Delaware. Oh. So I was a couple hours from home. Did you go speci- did you go specifically to go to that flea market or were no, you there? I was I was actually there to race at Dover Downs racetrack. I was oh, I saw NASCAR. those pictures yeah, online. So I was doing the NASCAR thing. So I literally like 20 minutes before we had to be there. You should have wore that you should have worn that racer outfit for the segment. Oh, it's, yeah, my full do you have it? No. Oh, okay. No. Yeah. So with two minutes left to go, I see this guy who has this table of cameras, and I walk over, and uh, I said, oh, how much for the cameras? He's like, ah, oh, they're five bucks each. <sighs> Crap. I was hoping he was going to say $100 each. So Why? Because I didn't have time. He had 
30 oh, cameras on the table oh, oh, oh. for $5 If he $5 said they were 100 you would just blow off the whole table. Then at least I could just walk away and be happy. But he said $5. So I, so I start digging through, and then he says, oh, I've got some more on the truck. No, he comes over God. with two Rubbermaid tubs full of cameras. So I'm digging through as fast as I can. I ended up getting four, five, or six, maybe five, five of these cam- you know, different cameras, including the Foldex. Um, I ended up, there was another little bag of parts. Did that, you thought you were in a dream for a second? It was yeah. like, it was like a, I was on a, some kind of Japanese game show. Right, like right. I had, you have 60 seconds to buy as many cameras as you can. I got Kodaks, I got all kinds of things. I got a Hoi, and uh, I got focusing screens for my Nikon F3. I got an extra metered prism for my Nikon F, right. Photomic F. I got cable releases, lens caps, body caps. And at the end of it, I had this big pile on the table. I had five seconds left, and I said, how much? And he says, oh, give me 15 for all of it. Wow. So I got all of this all crazy, crazy stuff, stuff for $15. $15. The F3 focusing screens alone are worth more than that. Too far from home to ever go back. No more time to shop. It was torture. But anyway, so one of the things I got was this Foldex. Ha- have you ever heard of that before? I had never heard of Fotac, Foldex, right. or anything before. But it's basically, as far as the, as far as the operation goes, it's a box camera. Okay. Um, it's got a shutter. What would you say it looks most like so people listening at home could be like, oh, it sort of looks like... It looks like the old uh, Kodak number two folder. Yeah, okay. Um, so it's, it's, a, it's a folding camera. Or like, uh, like the Kodak Tourist. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Very much like the Kodak Tourist. Yeah. I should say that. It's actually more like the Tourist than the number twos. But fixed aperture, fixed shutter speed. The only thing you've got is your instant or your bulb switch on it. So it's just the same as an old bulb. Uh, box camera the cool features of it from least to best it's got a body mounted shutter release oh yeah yeah which L- is pretty cool like the tourist like the tourist yep so it makes it really comfortable to shoot they with st- hot shoe that's a hot shoe this is a synchronized see this little wire out there. yeah so it's got a flash synchronized so if you put shutter. A, a vivitar 252 on there i have not tested it yet oh uh, i mean obviously from the 50s this was designed for uh, a bulb you know not electronic oh for oh so it's a it's a it's M sync at best. But, what, um, what type of flash would go on there? I don't know. Okay, uh, presumably Photac uh, yeah. made some flash. Have you looked for a flash yet? No, I haven't even bothered. Just okay. uh, I haven't had a chance to really do much with this camera at all yet. Um, but then um, you know, reverse Galilean viewfinder. I mean, there's no rangefinder to it or anything. Got your little green window on the back. But then, like I said, the coolest feature of this camera is whoa. When you go to put film in it, if you look at the winder. It's got a little two-step winder, so the little stu- the little stub in there can accept either 120 oh or 620 God. film. Look at that! It smells like it smells like oily a little bit. A little, it's a little musty. It doesn't smell bad. He had all these cameras from a, a collector, um, so he got he said, "I got hundreds of cameras from this guy. I made my money back. That's why I'm selling them for five dollars each." So, ha- have you uh, cleaned this one yet? Uh, I didn't do anything to it. It just works because it's a box camera. It has like three moving parts. But it's all is it all it looks a little. Um is it clear? Like, will it take clear pictures? Yeah, yeah. It... You might get a yeah, you might, a little soft, but uh, it's as good as it gets. It's a you know single element. It is a glass lens at least, but it's so smart of them to take. I've never seen one twenty or six twenty. I've never heard of a camera that could just take both. And it doesn't say it; it just does. Yeah. Wow. And these were also. There's not much information about them, but these were also available with either um, an 80, 85 or 86 millimeter lens or a 105 millimeter lens. It's exactly the same. It's the Fold X20. The only difference is the 85 millimeter has a black ring around the front, and right. the 105 has a silver ring around the front. So this is the 105. But otherwise, great little camera. It folds up nice and small. Nice nickel plated trim. Like it, you know, it looks good. Have you shot with it? I have not shot with it yet, but I will over the next few days. I'm yeah. gonna be loading it up. And what will you be loading it up with? But I do. I have a, a bunch of uh, uh, port that I'm going to be bringing with me right. just to just to see how it works. Oh, that's going to be in your bag for your trip? 
Yeah, this is going to California. Wow. Going to California with an Aiken in my Foldex. Did you, and you clean the glass on both sides so you don't get like, you know, fuzzy pictures? Yeah, a little bit, but yeah. it's, it's pretty clear. It's pretty clear. Have you done one of the famous Mark Dalzell shutter tests? I did not test this one. But, uh, Will you before you embark upon that? Uh, yeah, it looks. I'm pretty confident it's in somewhere in the 160th ballpark, right? Give or take a stop. So yeah, I'm going to shoot with it uh, on that uh, on that premise. But yeah, so that's the Foldex 20. I look forward to you bringing it back to you know give your review of what you thought. You know, this is how it performed, and these how how my pictures look. Yeah, and and, it, you, and the, the pictures will be up on my Flickr stream, so you can you right. Know, We'll, yeah. we'll be able to see it from and the show. for folks listening, I think Mark Dalzell's Flickr stream is Mark Dalzell, D-A-L-Z-E-L-L. Yep. Uh, thank you, Mark. We're going to be back in just a second with more show. How much is this moment worth? A hundred dollars? A thousand? These are the, the moments of your life are priceless. Are you saving them on the right film? Kodak Gold. No other film gives you truer, more consistent color, picture after picture. Um, that you know, we're kind of winding down, winding down on the show, if you can mm-hmm. believe it. But I have good news. What? Next show is our big fifth anniversary extravaganza. Crazy. <laughs> we'll see everybody in two weeks. Oh, we are recording. See yeah. There you go. Not anymore. Jeez. I know. I was like, oh, I thought we were just. Because there are thousands of guys like them across the nation. They got the right train, wrong destination. All the macho bullshit That'll do for a start You gotta change your way If you wanna lose all the frustration Well, you got the right train Wrong destination And you should take some good What I'm saying is that we have now what we have always needed.
real partnership with the government.